Hello, friends. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the host of the JoeRogan.com website. It is a website-making website where you personally, anybody, can make a website. It, they've basically boiled it down to an extremely easy-to-use, drag-and-drop user interface. And this is a, an amazing thing for someone like me who's been online for a long time. And I've had a website since the 90s. It used to be a nightmare. It used to have to hire somebody. And if they made the website, oftentimes it only looked good on Windows or on a Mac or whatever platform they designed it for. And editing it and changing it was a huge problem. It took a long time to do stuff. Now you can do it on your own. If you can do normal things with a computer like add a photograph to an email or move files around on your desktop, you can make a badass professional website. Each website that you get with Squarespace comes with a free online store and you can sell music on it. You can use it to sell products. If you're thinking about starting a business, maybe you make things and you want to sell them online, this is a great way to do it. Um, I know a lot of comedians besides myself, Doug Stanhope, uh, Duncan Trussell, a lot of people use Squarespace for their websites. It's fucking easy. You know, you don't even have to have a website for a business. Maybe you're just announcing an upcoming event or a special project. You can do that. Uh, if you're a trainer, if you own a restaurant, if you whatever, anything. You have a, a restaurant, a bar, a nightclub, anything. Built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting, nothing to patch or upgrade ever. 24/7 award-winning customer support and beautiful templates can can created why did i say con when i was going to say created sometimes my mouth doesn't work beautiful templates created by world-class designers it's fucking awesome uh and that's why my website is on squarespace and you can make yours too and you could try it for free they're so confident in what they make that you could try it out for nothing go to Squarespace.com forward slash Joe for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Joe to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We're also brought to you once again by the Cash App. The Cash App, if you've heard this podcast before, you know it is the easiest way to send and receive money with friends and family. Super easy to use. And now you can even buy and sell Bitcoin instantly with the Cash App. Now, if you are curious about Bitcoin... It's one of those things where you're like, how do I start with this? The Cash App, best way to start. You can sign up and buy instantly within minutes. And you don't have to buy an entire Bitcoin. You can buy as little as a dollar. Plus, most buys and sells happen in seconds. You keep your funds right in the app or, here's a big one, cash out directly to your bank account at any time. <clears throat> so if you're like, I don't know about this fucking Bitcoin shit. I'm getting, I'm getting nervous. I'm, I'm up right now. I'm up. I'm up. I'm going to bail. You can just bail. And one of the most beautiful things about the Cash App is when you download the Cash App, $5 goes to you and $5 will go to Justin Wren's Fight for the Forgotten Charity when you use the promo code Joe Rogan, all one word. And I am pleased to announce through the Cash App, we've already raised thousands of dollars to help build wells in the Congo. So download the Cash App for free on the App Store or Google Play. And we are also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stamps.com. The U.S. Postal Service is an important tool for any business, right? Well, Stamps.com is the easiest way to access all the amazing services of the post office. Stamps.com never closes. You can print postage for letters or packages at your convenience 24-7. Print po postage 
for any class of mail right from your own computer and the exact amount of postage every time never underpay or overpay again stamps.com is so fucking easy they give you a free digital scale that calculates the exact postage and then you can buy and print official u.s postage for any letter any package any class of mail using your own computer and printer it's very easy and this is how it works go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the upper right-hand corner and type in J-R-E, and they will hook you up with a four-week trial, plus postage, and a digital scale. Yeah. It's super easy to use, and it is, in my opinion, the best way to use the services of the U.S. Postal Service. So go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in J-R-E. That's Stamps.com, and enter J-R-E. My guests today are the Bell Brothers, Chris and Mark Bell. Uh, Chris is the producer and creator of the fantastic documentary Bigger, Stronger, Faster, which is uh, about steroids and prescription thugs, which is another amazing documentary that he made about the prescription pill industry. That it w- what's a, a crazy turn of events. While he was putting together the documentary, uh, Chris has arthritis and he had to have a hip replacement. When he had his hip replacement, um, he got addicted to pills while he was making a documentary on pills. Um, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I really, really can't recommend both of those documentaries enough. And he just made a documentary on Kratom called A Leaf of Faith that uh, is yet to be released. It comes out in May. And uh, he's in the middle of another one right now on nutrition. He's a great guy, and his brother's awesome too. His brother owns a super training gym in Sacramento, California. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have the two of them on. So please welcome Mark and Chris Bell. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Is that a gun? That's a real gun? Gentlemen, we're live. The we Bell Brothers. Yeah, thanks. What's, What's the bell going curve? on? How are you, fuckers? Doing great, on? man. Great to be on the show again. Great to have you guys here. Um, you know, I was watching your Instagram the other day, and I was looking at you with fake hips doing crazy fucking heavy deadlifts, man. That's amazing. I am starting to deadlift a little bit more uh, because I've been doing this carnivore diet, and I feel great. And there's no reason not to, right? So um, I just figured uh, if I can do it and it doesn't hurt, then uh, why not? So uh, I, w- I was going up to about 400 pounds, but I think I can still, I think I can even get stronger now. So what I'm so happy about is this is something squatting and deadlifting. It's something that was part of my life all growing up. I was a power lifter all growing up. He's the one who got me into this shit. And it, it got taken away from me. And I was really sad and disappointed, became a drug addict and an alcoholic because of it. And now I can lift again. So I feel good. That is, is that unusual for someone who's got artificial hips to be able to do something like that? Um, do you know? Do you, how many people you know, do you know that have artificial hips? Well, I do know that Ed Cohn, who's the greatest power lifter of all time, he has two fake hips now, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think he still squats 600. Jeez. Yeah, he can still lift so fake hips? Yeah, at, at Eddie Cohn. Check him out. He's Holy a beast. Shit. Fake hips squatting 600 pounds? They it's say insane. that is like one of the most effective replacement yeah. surgeries that they do. Is replacing yeah, people's hips. I think it's a, a great. It's been a big deal. I think it's a great surgery. Before I got it done, I mean, I couldn't even get up out of a chair. I was, I'd be stuck. You know, I would, I would stick places. And um, before I got it done, I couldn't really move at all. And then after I got it done, they had botched one side, so one side went perfect. The other side, for two years, was all screwed up, and the doctors didn't know it. What was screwed up about it? Um, 
the the cup. There's a cup, and then there's the ball that goes into the mm-hmm. cup. The cup came loose, oh, and no. and it would it would shift around. Now they think that the cup comes loose because when you do both hips at the same time, they hammer one hip into one side, and then you're completely like a dead body almost, and they flip you over. It's really violent, f- actually. When they flip you over, they think that's when the hip <clears throat> might uh, that that socket may come out. So um, they're starting to to question doing them both on the same day now. Yeah, I've heard of people getting one done and then a couple months later. I would recommend getting one done because then when I got my other one, when I got the one that was messed up redone and I had one good leg and one, you know, one leg to recover yeah. on, it was so much easier. I didn't have to have the special toilet and all the other stupid things. You could things be on crutches instead of being in a wheelchair probably, right? If you only had one bad actually, I actually wasn't even on crutches. I came home from the hospital and that day that I came home from the hospital, I was I was walking. I even climbed a ladder, and our mom <laughs> yelled at us, yelled at me because I climbed a ladder. And she's like, "What are you doing? You just got a, a hip surgery!" And I'm Ugh. like, "I got to change this light bulb." <laughs> now I would think that one good benefit about weightlifting would be increase in bone density, and oh, that huge. you would want that if our, you have uh, artificial hips, especially because you got that bar that yeah, goes down got, deep into the bone we, of the hip. We just got a DEXA scan done. We got weird shit going on. We got really weird shit going on. We had a DEXA scan done, and Dr. Jacob Wilson told us that our bone – was it bone min- mineral density? Density, yeah. It was – mine Mine was like off the charts, but his was way off the charts. Yeah, his and then like, uh, we also got a muscle biopsy done by uh, Dr. Andy Galpin. And he's just like, dude, I love I, that guy. He's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with your, with my muscle and his muscle. He's like, but we need to talk about this more. And so it's, it's called steroids. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, well, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So he said he wanted to uh, interview me more and, and talk to me more about like what I've taken over the years and yeah. all those different things. It works. Yeah, it fucking <laughs> works. There's a reason why people do it. <laughs> I just it's think so I heard you talking the other day about throwing a, a roundhouse kick and he said it's a second nature to you. Yeah. And I think for us, we've been lifting for right. so long. Sure. And a lot of this stuff, even when I was a drug addict and alcoholic, the entire entire time i still trained every day i wasn't doing as good of a job but i still would make it to the gym every right. day it's ingrained in us right it's something that we've been doing forever so i think so your that, body's just designed for it it's essentially it's designed for well it, not designed but you've sort of designed it you know, I, I think it's something that found us you know like, really? we, like we did kind of stumble upon it but i think it's something that found us and it's uh you know i, I was strong right out of the gate he was strong right out of the gate i mean i remember uh, my friends benching in the garage, and they were benching the bar, maybe a 10 on each side. And I was, you know, doing a plate, doing 185, 12 years old. You know, he was an animal when he was young. There was just so. something there. There was some sort of strength. My mom, our mom, benched uh, what she 135. Bench? Yeah, she. Your benched. mom can bench 135, uh, like right off, you know, like without ever lifting. She I want to say her, I think she benched 185. She might have in the same day. That's she, what Joey Diaz would say. Immigrant mentality. Where's <laughs> yeah. your mother from? Yeah. Where's she from? She, she's uh, Polish, right? There you go. Yeah, I just got some of my hard shit fucking done. I'm people. Just, I'm just white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're, we're like a mutt mix. Yeah. Did you get twenty three and me done? We yeah. he, I he got, did. Uh, it. I got one of those things done, and I yeah, I'm like Irish and Ital- I'm like only four percent Italian. I thought we were more, but it makes 10%. no sense. Our grandmother was directly from yeah. Sicily, so I don't I don't understand how that. Happened. Yeah, we don't know what's going on. Yeah, well, uh, even if she's from Sicily, who knows like how what happened when she was over there? Yeah, yeah, where she came from. Yeah, yeah. I I need to get mine done. I've been wanting to get it done for a while. It's pretty cool. Some of them a lot can of tell you like mad. allergies. And they stuff. get mad. Yeah, you know, you know, what people get mad. The people who are not really Native American. They get really, <laughs> they get really mad. I think, Shit, I thought it was spiritual. Well, people are like, I could drink so much because I'm Irish, and then they find out they're not. Yeah, <laughs> you're just a drunk. Yeah, yeah. Shit like that. And it happens all the time. People get really upset because they're not what they've been rooting for right. their whole lives. Like yeah. people take great pride in that for some reason. Stupid. It's weird. So dumb. Yeah, where you're yeah. from? Who cares? I'm you American. Control over that. 
Yeah, I, I, I wish I was something stupid. <laughs> I'd like, but there is, I mean, it's not like Polish, one. Right? Yeah, Polish is a silly one. But there's, <laughs> in my mind, they're fucking hard people. Oh, like, yeah. I've known a lot of Polish people, and like they're fucking tough people. <laughs> right. Like Joanna and Jacek, that's a perfect example. I was going to say, aren't some of the fighters Polish? Sure, yeah. Karolina Kivalkovic. That, that bitch right. is a beast. No, no disrespect intended. <laughs> that woman, I should say. Yeah, those, those ladies are fucking tough. Yeah. Like uh, when I was a kid watching pro wrestling, Ivan Putski. Yeah, Ivan, Polish power. Jacked, man. Fucking Jack. Now he works at a strip tank. club in Vegas. Does he he's really? Still alive? Yeah, Polish power. I would like to go to that strip club just I, to shake that guy's hand. I don't hand. know if I he still works guy. there, but I know that um, a bunch of the wrestlers worked at Cheetahs. Uh, I know the Godfather, the wrestler, the Godfather. He still manages Cheetahs uh, in Vegas, and I think some of the wrestlers work pimp? there in real life. He's a real pimp, dude. I life. was watching um, uh, some clips from last night from WrestleMania, and Ronda Rousey was with Kurt Angle, and I was looking at Kurt Angle's body. I was like, wow, that guy's gone through some damage. He's yeah, a machine, he's a goddamn <clears throat> yeah. beast. He's yeah, he's been through it all. Lots because, of neck surgeries. Well, you could see it in his arms. The neck surgeries you see in guys' arms because their arms atrophy. Right. Yeah, he's you know? atrophied a lot. Because yeah. his fucking neck looks like a goddamn tree trunk. <laughs> yeah. He's just got this neck that starts above his ears, and right. then his arms are not nearly I'd as big say, uh, as they used to be. Their ner- I think it's nerve damage, right? Exactly, yeah. I had Pat Militic in here a couple weeks ago. You know, former UFC yeah, champion Pat. Pat. Yeah, he's, he's got one arm that's sh- smaller than the other one. Boss yeah. Rutten will be here tomorrow. He's got the same issue. Yeah. Savage. It's necks, neck issues. For what you know, and I had a bulging disc in my neck, mm. and I was getting weird uh, numbness in my hands, and then nerve pain in my elbow, in elbow. the ulnar nerve that goes on there. And when you ignore that shit, and then keep training, and keep getting your fucking neck yanked on, then the disc starts to decay, mm. and then the pressing against the 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 nerves and the right. um, the, the the spinal column it gets worse, and then it starts atrophying and cutting off the the nerves to your arms, yeah. and you get to the point where your your shit just shrinks, and it doesn't. Come back. A lot of that stuff happens in your sleep too. Like something gets aggravated from training, but you sleep weird. You sleep with your neck all twisted. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know that happened to Brian Shaw. But Brian Shaw is four hundred fifteen pounds. But he <laughs> said he wished he had a good story for why his arm was atrophying. But it was, uh, and he lost his grip strength a hundred percent. He's the world's strongest, world's strongest man. man. Yeah, four times. He lost his grip strength, and it was uh, mainly all through sleep. Got a sleep apnea study done. And then he got a CPAP. The CPAP to help actually cure everything. He tried to do any and everything. He was doing all kinds of different things to get his hand strength back. And it turned wow. out it's mainly his sleep. He's too big to sleep on his side. Whoa, that's <laughs> crazy. So how does he have to sleep? Face forward? I think he has to sleep on his back. I he think. should get one of the massage tables. Just sleep with his whole his face in the hole. I, I want to do that. <laughs> You fall it's asleep a, on those things all the time. Fuck yeah, that's it's a totally good way to keep from snoring. Yeah. Because the thing with me, I have a fat tongue, and if I lie <laughs> down on my back, my tongue, I have sleep apnea too, but right. I, I wear a mouthpiece. I don't, the you hear about some machine, of these people taping their mouth shut? Yeah, you could do that. What's There's that people about? that wear a chin you strap, try that? and you can breathe through your nose, and it'll help. Yeah. Because if you breathe through your mouth, and your tongue falls back, and it covers your mouth You're not your recovering properly. You're not breathing yeah, properly. Right. right, and I would wake up with headaches. I would just wake up tired and with headaches. And then um, I went to this guy, Dr. Karopian. He's in Encino, and he has this mouthpiece that is essentially – it's a mouthpiece with like a tongue, oh. and it presses down uh, – like a tongue depressor. It presses down in your tongue, and it keeps your tongue from falling backward. It was a fucking game changer for oh, me. Oh, shit. I tried just to one CPAP. Day just changed? Yeah, I tried to CPAP day. for one night. I'm like, get this fucking robot bullshit machine out of my face. Yeah, Mark didn't like it. He got scared. <sighs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm claustrophobic, so it scared the fuck out of me. Really? Yeah, I hated that shit on my face. And I tried the, on the nose one. I tried the mouth one. I couldn't yeah. do either one of them. Mouthpiece. Mouthpiece I had sleep apnea shit. really, really bad. And um, 
it's cleared up a lot by just losing weight. By being less a, fat. That's a big thing. Yeah, that's a factor. <clears throat> that's a factor for a lot of people. The fat in their neck and everything just sort of. I mean, I was. Yeah, yeah we got so big. You substantially can't... fatter. So, I mean, I, I could see why. Yeah, it's the thing with weightlifters. You know, it's you interesting that... thing. You get so big that you can't sleep. <laughs> what do you crazy. spill some shit on your shirt? You yeah. spilled some, spilled coffee, some coffee, coffee there. <laughs> that's the worst. Trying to wipe it Keep off. it from getting uh, stained. Yeah. You know? So um, tell me about this carnivore diet. Sure. Because I had Sean Baker in here, and he talked to me about it, but he doesn't have any science. You know, there's no, like, he doesn't have any, like, real tests or any long-term studies or anything yeah. like that. And, you know, I, I, I'm a person who believes in balance. And I, I, I think that you need phytonutrients. You need plant fiber. I think there's a lot of healthy stuff that you right. get from plants. Um, I'm a big believer in eating meat, though. But all meat, you guys are doing all meat. Well, yeah, I think there's. I think there's some. I think there's some holes. One at a time. Yeah, I think there's some. I think there's some holes in every diet. <laughs> right. I think when you go and you make the decision to only eat meat, then uh, some rational thought should come into your head. Maybe when I switch all the way to just meat all the time, maybe there's a possibility I'm going to eat too much meat. And so maybe that would make sense to bring in some fruit and bring in some vegetables just right. so you're not eating too much meat for the simple reason. Vegetables have been shown and, and there's, you know, you can get a study to show you anything. Uh, but there's study, a study that's been done on 200,000 people that went on for 14 years and they studied uh, vegetables. They studied every type of vegetable and they found that they were more neutral than they were harmful or good for you. They found that fruit was a little bit uh, better for you. And again, you can have any study wait say a minute, anything. Wait a minute. What is the study? Uh, it's called the pure study. Wait a minute. They said it's the vegetables are neutral? What does they're, that mean? They're neutral. They're they just don't really help you that much. They weren't uh, necessarily great and they weren't necessarily bad. Uh, I don't In know what comparison to what, though? I don't know what their standard was for what they were looking for exactly, but the main thing they were looking for was uh, it being protective in terms of your heart. That was their main, their, the main thing they were looking at. Huh. So they found out that saturated fat is protective of your heart. They found out that cholesterol is actually protective of your heart. They yeah. found out that salt is – now it's all like, you know, without – you can't take in tons and tons of salt because then something's going to – Well, salt you, can kill you. If you eat a pound of salt, you're dead. You know, yeah. salt's one of those things that's exactly. really good for you. It's an essential mineral. To a, le to a certain extent. Yeah, but yeah. if you take too much of it, you So I think die. any of these things can be done too far. I jumped on a carnivore diet just to give it a shot and to see exactly what it was about. And why I did, why to, did you do that? Because you talked to Sean? Sean yeah, Baker? Yeah he, was, yeah, he was on your podcast. Mm -hmm. I got inspired to do it. He was already doing it. So I was like, all right, let me try it out. I and tried why, it out, got leaner, felt better. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And why'd you start it? So I was doing a ketogenic diet right. for over a year. Mm -hmm. uh, lost a lot of weight on that. Was doing great. Yeah, you look really good, man. You look Thank very you, thin man. and healthy. I appreciate it. I still he looks have healthy, face. doesn't he? Your face yeah. looks healthy. I still have a long way to go, in my opinion. You know, I, this is a work in progress, but um, the reason I did it was really simple. It's a dietary intervention. Um, I went through sobriety, as you know. I was a uh, drug addict and an alcoholic for about six years. And when I went through um, sobriety, that's, a, that's an intervention. Like, there, it's, there's something wrong. There's a problem. We need to fix it. So my problem uh, now was arthritis. And I needed something that was like an intervention that would get me from, you know, uh, being arthritic and in pain and not being able to lift to being able to lift. And so there, some of this might be a placebo effect of me going like, well, I'm on this diet and I feel great and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm now <laughs> lifting more. Um, some of it may be a placebo effect and that's okay with me if it is. But I feel 
excellent on this diet. And I think the reason is, is I'm getting a lot more protein in. I wasn't getting enough protein on keto because I was listening to everybody say, well, it'll knock you out of ketosis if you eat too much protein. And that's what I constantly was being told, but I wasn't muscular. I didn't have, I wasn't being able to put on muscle. Well, you you were constantly testing your um, blood levels. Were you, were you using a meter? Yeah, every day about three or four times. Like, I'm crazy with it. Because what would knock you out of ketosis? The things that would knock me out of ketosis were just like mainly anything with carbohydrates. Um, I wasn't really having too much of a problem with protein because I wasn't eating a lot of protein. But um, there was there were things that if I cheated on my diet, for example, of course, that would you know, usually sure. kick me out of ketosis. But then I also got to a point where you become so fat adapted that you become what we like to call metabolically flexible. Metabolic flexibility just means you can switch from being a fat burner. You know, I'm mostly a fat burner for the most part because I'm eating high fat. But then if I do eat something with sugar in it, it doesn't really affect me that much because, right. I've, because I'm used to it. 90% yeah, going with the fat. So I can kind of move back and forth between those two things. But what I realized on the carnivore diet, when I switched over to carnivore, the whole time I was thinking, man, if I could just have an apple, I would feel like I would feel so much better because just eating this steak, it's killing me and it's driving me crazy. Well, how's it killing you? Just uh, mentally. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't tough enough to just say, okay, I'll just have steak on a plate. Like, yeah, for mentally, some reason, you, you, well, you automatically use intermittent fasting almost because you're like, you don't always have a hamburger in your pocket or you don't always uh, <laughs> run through In-N-Out Burger or whatever it might be. But yeah, you end up use, utilizing some intermittent fasting and you're like, fuck, man, the only food I have to eat is a hamburger or steak. Over That's where I was at, over, yeah. and it was hamburger or steak, and I'm like, well, how about an apple? So I talked to our friend uh, Stan Efferding, who's a bodybuilder, and he's huge. He's jacked. And he's also a power lifter. And super, 51 years old, too, and fucking jacked. Super, one of the smartest guys I know. And he sent me that study that I sent to you with the, about the fruit. And I don't know if you watched that or not, but basically they did a large-scale study with fruit, and they found out that uh, the fruit actually would drive blood glucose down instead of, dri instead of bringing it up when taken with protein like red meat. And so I'm like looking at this going like, well, if it's not going to drive my glucose up. I mean, that'd be the one thing I'm concerned with. Why not have some fruit? And so then I'm and talking with Stan about it. He was saying, like, I think fruit is totally fine, and I think you can have as much as you want. And so I sort of switched that over. That sounds crazy, though, because that's that's sugar. I mean, your, yeah. your body how – how is your body not so – your, your body done, its blood glucose level. They've done studies where they've where they've studied fructose. So like everybody thinks fructose is really bad. Well, they think that because of high fructose corn syrup. And, and yeah. fructose yeah. is really bad when it's outside of fruit. Right. But for some reason, um, fruit, uh, fruit has these phytonutrients. It has fiber in it. And those things sort of like protect you from what's going on in the sugar. They actually the, – there's phytonutrients in fruit, like say an apple. There's certain phytonutrients in there that won't allow your small intestine to like absorb the fat. And so it, it actually helps you to digest things like red meat that have high fat. There's, so yeah, there's cofactors in fruit that help you digest the sugars in them. And not, I'm, it's not, I'm not like too it's sure. I'm, out I'm not a doctor. I'm a filmmaker. So I, I start right. – yeah. I'm basically um, – ask a lot of questions to a lot of people and start figuring things out. And then it's trial and error. Um, right now I'm, I'm in the trial, trial and error part and it seems like it's been working pretty good. So now are you getting your blood work done? Yes. Um, just got my blood work done, um, from last month and it, uh, everything improved from keto to carnivore. I didn't really have any cholesterol issues. Um, I didn't have any, the, uh, what was, what were my issues we, we've were, had our blood work done probably four or five times in the last 
year or so, I'd say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not all the numbers are, are fucking great, but for the most part, it's been pretty healthy. The cholesterol has been good. The triglycerides have been good. Um, this doesn't well, show up well, in your blood. Well, what's not good? Uh, just it's not in the high, not in the high range of, you know, of what, what it shows you on the, uh, on the sheet. And then we also had well, other wait a people. Minute. For what? Uh, oh, in terms of like the triglycerides and the, the cholesterol and stuff like that. Is what you're talking about? Well, like what you're saying, what's not good? You know, oh, I'm saying just saying, like, high range. Like, uh, yeah, in, no, in I'm saying uh, everything's everything's been pretty good. Like this last time, I did have my, um, uh, I had one of my markers uh, well, kind of high. We both had high C-reactive protein, and we don't, we're not sure why. So that's something that we have to like look into. And what is C-reactive protein? It's a it's a marker for inflammation, and my C-reactive specifically of the heart. Yeah, it's not good. my C-reactive protein. You both protein, had this. Mine was really high on keto, but then after I went keto to carnivore, it came way, way down. So I don't, huh. I don't know where it is right now. Yeah, I also uh, had a really high. Mine registered really high out of nowhere. It was totally fine with all the blood work I've had done, and the last one I had done, it skyrocketed. People were saying, "Well, maybe it's because you worked out beforehand, or right." You well, know. you have to be. Were you consistent in when you ate when you got your, your test done? Were you guys on a fast? Before I, I you trained got beforehand, them? so I might have fucked it up. Oh, you fucked it up for sure. <laughs> yeah, the way you train, yeah, you should never saying, test yourself after the way you train. Yeah, you train like a fucking they, animal. Uh, <laughs> the blood work, it's it's you know, it's a snapshot in time. Yeah, and, and we hear that a lot. Right, and I think that that's important to to realize and recognize that um, it's just you know this one snapshot in time, and we we constantly change all the time. That's so that's particularly important with dietary cholesterol. Yeah. I mean, with, with cholesterol in the blood, the way it registers. If you have a big, you know, fat-filled meal right. and then go and get a blood test versus you fasting, it's like how is your body absorbing this is what's really important. <clears throat> How's your body absorbing these essential nutrients, not like what, what happens right after you eat? Because your yeah. body knows what to do with that stuff. My cholesterol was 190, which is good. I mean, they want it, they want it to be under 200. But I thought what was really interesting was my HDL went way up from uh, by like 60 points went mm. up, uh, going from keto to carnivore. Well, are you eating a lot of fatty cuts, like ribeyes yeah, and pretty, stuff like that? Mostly yeah. ribeyes. Yeah, <clears> that's mostly. what I, I, I like a lot of dietary fat. I like a lot of like meat fat. You know, I think there's a certain point, right? Because um, I, I don't know. Before when I was doing a ketogenic diet, um, the fat is kind of free flowing because uh, you make your bulletproof coffees and you're just dumping mm -hmm. fat and everything. <laughs> you're putting butter right. on everything. Right. But when you, have, doing it, yeah. when you have a steak, what's really nice about having a steak is you're right about 65 to 75 percent fat already. Like just if just you're out eating of, corn out of, out of fed. the box. Yeah. You're eating corn fed beef. Is that what you're I eating? Do, I eat both. Mm -hmm. um, I think that um, the difference between the grass-fed and the, and the grain-fed, there really isn't a substantial amount of proof of how much better that is. I do know that grass-fed beef has five times the amount of omega-3. Yeah. So you always want to pick grass-fed beef when you can. But a lot of people can't afford it. And also, uh, the be for me, the best meat is at Costco. That's the best-tasting meat that you're going to find. I, I've been everywhere. <laughs> why, why is Costco better? It just tastes the best. I think they, they, got they the shop best. around for the best stuff. They have the best really? meat. I Costco think they do. Yeah. And, and it's corn. So fuck some like expensive butcher shop. It's corn Go fed. to Costco? I think oh, Costco's Costco. outstanding. <laughs> do you know Costco is all um, organic now, too? Mm -hmm. you know, the, That's a weird word, though. Yeah, that yeah. word is so loosely defined. Sure. What is organic? Well, we didn't <laughs> spray it with a fucking chemical yeah, yeah. right before we gave it to you. <laughs> right. like, there is a... Um, what is exactly organic you have meat? To, you have to pay to get organic status, too. Right. That's a weird thing. You know, yeah. you have to pay a lot of money. Because I remember um, 
talking to Bulletproof, and the guy was telling me, like, you have to, uh, to Dave Asprey, he's telling me, you have to pay money to get uh, recognized as being organic. So I would take whatever that of, guy says with a, a fat grain yeah, of salt. Yeah, yeah, sure, I know. Yeah. But I'm saying you have to pay to get it to be... Uh, I wonder if that's true. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, um, it well, is true. Is uh, it? That yeah, you have my, to pay? Uh, well, I mean... I'm sure it yeah. costs money to get tested and to make sure that you're right. certified. Yeah, right. it's like something like that. But, you have to pay money for it. <clears throat> I mean, there there has to be some sort of a it's test. It's got to money. Yeah. I mean, but when you're looking at the standards, like the, what does that mean? It means no antibiotics, no added hormones, right? Is that right. what it means? I and believe so. And yeah, for food, it means no pesticides, right? Yeah. I mean, for, excuse me, for uh, plants. Fruits and vegetables, for, yeah. For fruits and plants. Um, what the one thing that concerns me uh, with grass-fed meat is that you're you're eating. Um, well, you d- you're definitely getting a more expensive cut, but you're eating an animal that is eating what it's supposed to eat. Yeah. You know, when you're eating, like, I've had Wagyu beef and Kobe beef. <laughs> right. It's delicious. It's awesome, man. But that thing's dead. That's a dying animal. That's like eating a giant fat guy <laughs> about to have a heart attack. <clears throat> I mean, all that marbling, yeah. that's not supposed to happen. Like, <laughs> you shoot a bison, like a, a free-range bison, you get a dark, ruby red mm. hunk of meat. I mean, and that's a fucking vibrant animal. I have to say that I completely agree with you, yeah. um, but there there isn't science to really support that eating a cow that was fed with soy or corn is necessarily way worse. And so um, I might just be stupid for waiting for that to come it out. Could, it could but be worse. hold on a second. You just said that there's way more omega fatty acids yeah, than grass-fed beef. That omega fatty acids are essential sure. for brain development, muscle development. There's so there's so many benefits to assen- those essential fatty acids, and if those are more present in grass fed meat, wouldn't you just assume that grass fed meat is more nutritious? Yeah, I would. I would say that it has more. <clears throat> it has more omega. It has more omega three. Right. It might be more nutritious in in that that particular uh, way. Right. But I say, like, you know, is the cost benefit? You know, I, the other day I went and bought um, grass fed meat from Whole Foods. Thirty three ninety nine a pound for a fillet. Nineteen ninety nine a pound at Costco for a fillet. The Costco one is so much better. The one from Whole Foods was almost not edible. Like it did, didn't it didn't taste good. It's a real tough piece and, of meat. Sometimes and so tough some, fillet at Whole Foods. I don't know why they have crappy meat. <laughs> for some reason, grass fed stuff sometimes and it's a little super tougher. Expensive. Did you get a sponsorship for Costco right before you came <laughs> no, here today? No, no, we did, no. We did. I actually actually nailed, super suspicious. No we sponsorships. But what I'm saying is that um, <clears throat> I've I've gone to a lot of places to try to find what meat I thought tasted right. the best. And, um, you know, so for me, sometimes I have to, like, you have to eat a lot of meat. And if it doesn't yeah. taste that good, you're not going to get through it. So I prefer to have meat that tastes better. I like um, for grass-fed meat, I like to use uh, grass-fed beef patties because they're a little fattier and they just taste really mm-hmm. – those taste fine to me, yeah. you know, but the grass-fed steaks just – they don't really taste as good. So I just kind of switch back and forth. I think mm-hmm. these are some of the smaller issues. These aren't the main things that we're really trying to fight. You know, my brother and I, we just uh, took on to do another film and he, you know, he and I are doing this one together on nutrition. And we're just – we're trying to find out some truths. I mean we're trying to find out about grass-fed and organic and all these different things. Uh, but mainly we're just trying to figure out how the fuck do we help fight obesity? How do we help fight diabetes? How do we help people uh, gain control of their diet? And I think that's really truly what we're talking about is control. And you look at a, something like a ketogenic diet, in my opinion, it's one of the few diets that can really help people with control of their diet because it can help – 
break up the cravings. And that's really ultimately, I think, where our fight is. It's against, <clears throat> it's against cravings of all these convenient foods that taste so fucking good. Well, the cravings that are in our of face all the time. Refined carbohydrates and sugars. Absolutely. Those are giant. Yeah. And, and when, you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you hear about saturated fat being dangerous, it is dangerous if you take saturated fat with high levels of carbohydrates and high yeah. levels of refined sugars. Right. Dr. Rhonda Patrick went over that in depth, and it's really fascinating. The reaction that your body has to the high levels of carbohydrates and the high levels of fat. See, your body is either fat burning or carbohydrate burning. So when you combine the two of them together, you have a nightmare. Yeah. You're really not supposed to do that. But it's not the saturated fat that's the problem. It's the saturated fat in conjunction with the refined carbohydrates and sugars. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they're finding, too, is one of the big arguments that vegans in particular have used for high-carbohydrate diets in, in, in relation to obesity is look at Asian cultures. In Asian cultures, you have low levels of obesity but high levels of high-carbohydrates. But you know what else you have? High levels of diabetes. Diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. yeah you don't have to there be are, fat to be yeah. diabetic. What, yeah. How many people in China? 400 million people? Something with yeah. diabetes? Well, they're, they're, Something they're crazy level, trying to break a record. Their level slightly lower than ours um, in terms of diabetes. But Japan's level is higher than it's ours. It's pretty high, right? Yeah. Japan's level of diabetes per capita is higher than ours. Yeah. I would say their body fat levels are probably pretty high, too. No, no. Their body fat levels are lower than ours. We're gross. Oh, of course they're lower not than ours. Not you and I and not the three of us. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. not gross. But <laughs> Americans, we're fucking gross. Yeah. You know, we eat fucking dog <laughs> shit. We, we eat the... Man, Look, and everywhere we, you and go. speaking of dogs, well, that's what we, we feed our with. dogs shit. Yeah. The only two like species on the planet that get fat are human beings and the things that we feed. Oh, you Whether, see my friend's cat. Yeah, <laughs> friend it could be a cat, cat, could be a dog, but it's our pets and people. Yeah. Those are the only things that get fat. Ice cream. <laughs> you know, uh, we grew up like that. We grew up eating Oreo cookies, sure. having you know a plethora of ice creams and different things in, we, in our cabinets. We go and to the fridge. gym and do you know a full on squat workout. You know, work up to five hundred pounds and go home and eat like you know half a gallon of ice cream just because we didn't know any better. It's not well, even true. It wasn't a full workout. It was just a squat as heavy as we could. Then we went home and ate ice cream. But there's some <laughs> benefit for eating some sugar post workout, right? Yeah, I know Jim Stopani, he believes in that. Like, he's into, like, gummy bears and shit like that. There is eating. a big shift, though, in what's going on in nutrition and what people think about that co that post-workout carb window and all mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people have been shifting away from that kind of stuff. A lot of people have been shifting away from six meals a day. A lot of people have been shifting away from fasted cardio. And a lot of these dietary, like, sort of myths that we thought that we needed to do. We're looking into it and going like, wait, if you don't eat after you work out, you don't lose muscle. You don't do that. You know, these things don't happen. So do you need to do that? Like it could be beneficial or it could not be. But we're starting to realize that, you know, maybe some of these things that we were doing aren't necessary. I think there's science behind it, too, because there's money to be made. So I don't think it really matters exactly when you take in your carbs. I think if you were just to have carbs throughout the day, I think you would end up with a similar pump and you'd end up with similar recovery levels. I know there's a lot of studies showing that, but there's probably not a study showing uh, if you took in 300 grams of carbs just normally versus dumping some more in after a workout. Well, you guys know Rob Wolf, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he's <laughs> awesome. He's great. But one of the things that Rob Wolf has done is pretty interesting is he and his wife will eat the exact same thing. And then an hour later, they test they their the blood glucose. and they yeah. have very different results. And this is something that's really important to emphasize everybody's body is different sure and some people just can't, like i have one daughter that can't she's lactose intolerant she, she drinks milk she starts farting she's seven <laughs> years old she thinks oh, it's no. hilarious she thinks it's hilarious oh, no. but it does hurt her stomach a little bit yeah. and you know but she'll have like a little ice cream and then she'll start farting and um, <laughs> she does it on cue too she goes 
there's something really important to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she nails you with it, right? <laughs> she, she knows, like... What, she been hanging out with you? She's yeah, got she's time. been hanging out that's with like, Quinn. That's his, that's his jokes. <laughs> but my other daughter, my nine-year-old, has zero problem with it. So it's, um, it is, it's just a physiological thing, and it's a weird roll of the dice. I mean, human beings... We vary in eye color, we vary in height, we vary in everything. And we, we definitely vary in our dietary needs. And that's what makes it so crazy to try to give people uh, any sort of nutritional yeah. advice because right. – you know, you can't talk in generalizations. You can't say this will work for everybody. I can't get on here and say an all-meat diet I think you can. will work for everybody. I think everybody. you can in some way. I think most people are eating too much sugar. People yes. that are fat are just I eating. I think that. In that, in and, that and way, And just carbs, period. Yes. Yes. Well, that's, that's what we're trying to define by doing a documentary. What are the couple things that we can point to and say, everybody needs to do this, this, and this, and then these other things are like... I just wonder if your average American only ate 100 carbs every day if... if People wouldn't be well, fat. Well, I think you know, there's different carbohydrate requirements for athletes, though. Uh, oh, like, yeah. like my friend Cam Haynes, who runs like when he's training for these ultra marathons, he runs a fucking marathon <laughs> yeah. a day. That guy needs more carbs than the average guy who sits in front of his desk and is on a keto. And here's diet. where carbohydrates but maybe are he really needs more fat. You know, like yeah, they, maybe you only ha- you can sure. only store um, two thousand calories of you know, carbohydrate in your body at one time, but the normal average person has about 40,000 calories of fat just hanging out on their body and they don't even know it. Right. So we have a lot more energy available to us um, as, as fat if we learn how to utilize carbs it. are also crucial from one workout to the next so if you're anybody that ever does multiple workouts in a day any of these mma fighters crossfitters yes. they're doing multiple they absolutely need carbs and it's a good opportunity like Forget the carb window necessarily. It's just another opportunity to eat and to get in some calories. And so I think for them, post-workout shakes and those carb shakes can be really beneficial. It's a problem with athletes, too, because they're always trying to find the optimum performance and you're experimenting. And you're you're wondering how much of your mind fucking yourself, how much of it is just because you worked out too hard. Like, where's your energy level at? Is it you didn't sleep good? Is it your diet? Like, what is it? You know, and they're always trying to figure it out. It's a big commitment and a big deal to actually stop what you're doing and, and to eat. Because it takes you like 20, 30 minutes to actually eat. It might take you 10, 20 minutes to cook the meal. And then you have 20, 30 minutes to try to digest it. And you're not sure if you're doing MMA, you have intense workouts. Yeah. Or if you're doing CrossFit or some of these workouts can be really intense. You're not sure how that's going to sit. So sometimes for me, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to use intermittent fasting. But I don't compete anymore. So for me, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter as much. Well, intermittent fasting is absolutely beneficial. And I think one of the things yeah. that we're talking about, the, one of the benefits of the keto diet that you also get from intermittent fasting is when your body goes into fat burning mode your your hunger goes away it's the weirdest thing and it's a great benefit i was gonna bring that's an important thing to kill i had a really poor relationship with food before i even started the ketogenic diet and by by doing women too let's not talk over each other i know it's hard we're all doing it but let's try gotcha and so but yeah not being hungry has allowed me to have a little bit of, you know, I feel free now. I feel like I'm not, you know, attached to food. I don't need food all the time. I, I used to think about food all the time because I was constantly, you know, eating things with sugar in it. I used to go to the movies and because I'm a filmmaker, I love to go to the movies and I used to go all the time. And I had this rule where during the movie was my only time I could cheat on my diet and I could eat whatever <laughs> I wanted. And it turned into a clusterfuck because I'd have, <laughs> you know, I'd have like the little pretzel bites with the cheese that you Ooh, dip in. And I'd have me. Sour Patch Kids and Twizzlers. And I'd buy three bags of candy and pretzels and I'd eat the whole thing during the movie because the movies usually suck mm. and I need something to do to keep my mind off of the shitty movie. Mm. So I'd, I would eat the whole time, you know, and 
obviously that didn't work, you know, and I was do, I was dieting besides that, but you know, it, it wasn't doing anything because I was just killing all the, you know, all the progress I was making. Yeah. But by doing this ketogenic diet and not being hungry, it's allowed me to just sit back and look at food and go, I want that. And I want that because it's good for me rather than say, I need this now because I'm hungry. Do you still do cheat meals? No. Well, no. once in a while, I shouldn't say no, because then somebody will catch me on Instagram <laughs> with a piece of cake and be like, that guy's a liar. But the thing is, I don't I try not to. But there's things that that are cheating for the carnivore diet that sometimes like come into my life, like somebody makes a new bar and they give it to me and they're like, oh, here, try this bar. And I want to just try it to see if it's good. So, yeah, it's off my diet and I'll eat it. But my cheats are much less damaging than they used to be. My cheats now are what some people call health foods. Now, when you say carnivore diet, you t- you're saying that all of your meals are just meat? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just, just meat? Yeah, just meat. Just uh, steak usually or um, grass-fed beef. And then, <laughs> no salads? Um, no salads for the most part. Uh, every once in a while, like if I'm at a restaurant or something and a salad creeps in, I'll have a couple bites of it. But um, I'm not a vegetable kind of guy. I've never really liked them. But I do love fruit. I like the sweet stuff, but I don't like the vegetables that much. So how much fruit do you eat a day now? About two to three pieces of fruit a day, um, like an apple, like maybe two apples a day, probably something like that. Maybe, and how many meals a day? Maybe one. And then about two meals a day, like two, maybe like two steaks or, you know, maybe four burger patties or something like that. So it's not a whole lot of food that I'm talking about. I can't eat like Dr. Sean Baker. He's an animal. He eats about four pounds of meat a day. He's a big giant dude. Uh, yeah. He's six, five. He's a foot taller than I am. So that's yeah. pretty crazy right there. So yeah, I, there's not a whole lot of food. Uh, I think a lot of people when they hear all meat, they're just thinking, I'm downing these giant plates of food, but I'm not that hungry. So I yeah. try, I do have to try to hit my protein goal each day though, which is about, you know, I need a, a certain amount of protein. So I need like 168 grams of protein or something like that. I went off the rails the other night at Peter Luger's in Brooklyn. I saw and, that. Uh, we were, we were, I eating, was so excited. Woo. So good. But we were eating steak and then I was stuffed from the steak, but French fries were there. And it's a weird thing, man. When you eat steak and there's fries, you could be stuffed from the steak, but you fucking keep pounding those fries. Yeah. Those salty fries are still goddamn good. You know, uh, palate fatigue is a big thing, and that's what uh, professional eaters do. Yeah. They, they go from, like, they'll be eating ice cream, and they can't eat anymore, so they eat some French fries because it's a yeah. different taste. It's, like well, a it's different also taste. the salt. There's something yeah, about the those fried food with salt. You could just stuff more in there. It's weird. If you look at, like, Brian Shaw, the world's <laughs> strongest man that we were talking about before, um, he uses uh, dextrose he takes like puts it on rice which is a sugar and he puts it on rice so that you can eat more rice jesus yeah just so he can get bigger so he can get bigger yeah so he can maintain <laughs> maintain his uh his felt 440 pound body that's fucking ridiculous <laughs> well that's a totally different thing the, one thing that, that we right. one thing that we've tried to do is we've tried to not celebrate you know, I think that can be an issue. So like, you do want to celebrate here and there. You want to have some fun here and there, but have control over that celebration. Like, you're celebrating, you know, your your uh, buddy's birthday party that you never even talked to, and you're getting drunk and eating fucking cheesecake and stuff. Celebrate when you really uh, want to. Celebrate when you really kind of quote unquote need to. 
Uh, maybe you celebrate after you lost 20 pounds, but if you celebrate uh, by cheating on your diet, uh, it's actually like more harmful to you than it is a real celebration. You're hurting yourself rather than helping improve yourself. Now we do need to be, uh, we do need times where we do have fun and we kick back and have a couple drinks, but drinking or overeating, a lot of those things, even when you're trying to stay on your diet, they will almost always lead to you cheating. I noticed that when if I overeat, that's that's uh, when I get hit with a craving sometimes. So somebody might think, oh, I'm just going to stuff myself with a bunch of burgers. I'm going to stuff myself with a bunch of meat. Um, it, for me, it hasn't worked that way. It kind of makes those cravings creep back in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but it's also psychologically it's fun to cheat. Absolutely. Like, to give yourself a little bit of a yeah. break. Get some linguine with I, clams. I'd say Ooh. even like on, on, a, on a carnivore diet, there's some things that I eat that are – I'd consider them like slight cheats, like uh, going to In-N-Out Burger, you know, getting like a Flying Dutchman. You know what that is? No. <laughs> flying Dutchman is a, a patty and then two pieces of cheese and then a patty. That's cheating? It, well, it's – Because of the it's, cheese? Because of the cheese, Yeah. You know, mm. and it's it's not grass fed or anything like that. So you're like, right. you know, so like ah, who knows what, what I'm eating? But at least it sort of fits on my <laughs> my plan. But those are so good that every yeah. once in a while, you know, you stop it in and out and get a couple. I get it with the lettuce on. Um, they you give know, you way like, too much lettuce. I think though. they give you like, like an let- entire head of lettuce, and, and I'm like, how do I get through this? You don't like lettuce? No, not really. <laughs> not <laughs> nah, a big fan. Not, not that one of us love uh, <clears throat> salad. I, I I said on Instagram the other day that uh, salad is fake news, and people got really pissed. <laughs> but what I meant by that was just that people are dumping tons of dressing on it. Oh yeah, and they're not getting you know not getting what they think they're getting, and especially like a lot of salads that you get at like a restaurant are just. Uh, they're not even very green or anything. They're just uh, not, I think, not um, full of very uh, nutrients. There's a couple dressings, like Mark Sisson makes yeah. a dressing that's that's pretty good, made with avocado oil. Yes, and I think things like that. And he and he says, I made this dressing because I wanted to be able to dump as much as I want on here, and the more I dump on, the healthier it gets. And yeah. I like that idea. You I know, use his but, mayonnaise because I eat a lot of wild game, mm. and wild game doesn't have much fat at all. Like if you I you talked elk. about that chipotle mayonnaise, Ooh, that's the shit. And I started eating like crazy after you said it. I ate a ton of it this morning with a, with a steak. It's I just, really good. I take it, I'll, I'll slice a piece of steak, dunk it in. I'll put a, a fucking glob of mayonnaise <laughs> on my plate. I'll dunk the steak in the Stuff's mayo. Good. But it's a chipotle lime mayo, and it's made with avocado oil. So you're getting all these healthy fats. It gives you some nice taste. And That's again, because I'm eating moose and elk and deer, it's a very, very lean meats. If I'm not eating like a, a cow, if I'm not eating, eating beef, my meat is mostly like yeah. a really You wouldn't lean be able meat. to do a carnivore diet on those kind of meats, right? I mean, it's too, it's too lean, right? Yeah, I would think so. You'd have to add fat. You, you ever heard of rabbit starvation? Yeah, rabbits are extremely lean, and you can eat only rabbit and literally starve to death. Wow. Yeah, people have experienced rabbit starvation. Shit. Sounds crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so lean? Yeah, find, Google that. Google rabbit starvation, what that means. Because someone told me about that, and I literally never looked into it other than what they said. But it's so lean that yeah, yeah your body just doesn't get enough fat. Do butchers typically add fat? to uh, wild game, like when they chop it up and stuff? Not, not protein poisoning. Protein poisoning, also referred to as rabbit starvation, a rare form of acute malnutrition thought to be caused by a complete absence of fat in the diet. Oh, that's oh, interesting. Wow. They call it protein poisoning. Yeah. <clears throat> so because if you just eat rabbits, like if you just have like a fucking room can full of rabbits. Can you live off rabbit meat? Yeah. You Is can live rabbit off rabbit season? meat, but most people would eat rabbits. They eat rabbits with potatoes. And uh, you look at that. Rabbit starvation. Man cannot live by rabbits alone. The meat is too lean. Add fats and a few carbs of protein to the lapin. I guess that's what a rabbit is, and you can easily survive. 
rabbit meat lapping is typically too lean. Yeah, it's interesting. It's leaner than chicken, I guess? Yes. Yeah, well, those little fuckers are just running all the time. I Wabbit found it interesting on a, on a ketogenic diet. I was up around uh, 200 grams of protein when I first started it, and I was just dropping fat like crazy. Just wait, dropping wait weight. <clears throat> That's not a ketogenic diet. 200 grams of protein? Uh, a That's- fat. Oh, fat. Yeah, you said protein. 200 grams of fat, and I was yeah. dropping. Uh, did I say protein? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was I, confused. I was 200 like... grams of fat, and I was just dropping fat like you know, like crazy. Oh, yeah. But then, then it came to a point where it stopped. I think that's you know, what everybody needs to know is uh, on, on any of these diets, they eventually plateau or stop, and then mm-hmm. you have to sort of figure out how to get around that roadblock and continue to like lose more weight or do whatever you're trying to do. Well, with some people, just too much protein knocks you out of ketosis because sure. your body takes too much protein and reverts it to glucose. Right. I yeah. think that's uh, a lot. I think it's overstated a lot, though. Is it? I, I mean, I think like if you have a couple grams over, mm-hmm. you're not going to be in trouble. You right. Know? But if right. you're eating 500 grams of protein or something crazy or even like 300 grams of protein, I, you know, after a while, you're going to get to too much and you're going to have that problem. But I feel like for most people, that's not going to be the main issue. You know, for me, it's inflammation. Inflammation is a, the big difference is when I eat a lot of carbs, if I go off the rails and I'll cheat and have pasta or bread or something like that, I experience more inflammation. I experience more soreness in my joints. I've, I'm, I'm, you get more fatigue. You get you know like tired. You get that insulin crash. You get all those big factors that I don't. I just don't get when I eat clean. When I eat just meat and salad and vegetables and high fat diet and low carb, my body is just way more efficient. Just it, it feels better. And the big thing that I keep trying to stress to people is you don't need a nap. That fucking <laughs> afternoon nap, which I just thought is something you need. Yeah. <clears throat> All that is is just your body recovering from lunch. Yeah, from carbs. Yeah, your, your fucking carbs at lunch. If you don't have that, the day is much more efficient. I get more done. I have more energy. You know, it's like when people say, how do you do like all these podcasts, two podcasts a day? Like, no, I eat good. Eat good. And it's not hard. It's not hard. Your brain is functioning all day long. But, man, if I stopped at noon and had a fucking pizza and then try to do a podcast, <laughs> I'd be here like going, oh, is this done yet? I need to sleep. Yeah, you just get tired. Yeah, you get exhausted. We've been doing this diet since the mid-90s, since like 1993, I think it was, <laughs> around the time we kind of started. We've been doing them on and off for a long time, and more recently I used it to drop 70 pounds. But I think one of the, one of the things with <clears throat> keto that I noticed was – it almost doesn't really matter that I'm in ketosis all the time. I think the effort to be in ketosis, I think, is important uh, by getting rid of a lot of the carbohydrates that you have, the effort to kind of eat a little bit more fat. But what I've noticed is I don't think I need to really go out of my way to eat tons and tons of fat. I don't need to be dumping tons of MCT oil on stuff. I don't need to uh, – there's enough fat usually in the steaks that I'm eating. A lot of times I get ribeye. Um, sometimes I eat bacon, eggs, things like that. I put up uh, on my Instagram the other day about seven or eight foods that I thought if you just stuck to these seven or eight foods for a handful of days, you would lose a lot of weight. And the response was amazing. People were writing back and they're like, holy shit, man, I'd lost 10 pounds. Well, a lot of people do lose weight off keto. There's no right. doubt about that. Yeah. But even Mark Sisson, who was one that got me into it, Mark uh, goes on and off. And he thinks yeah. there's some benefit to going on and off keto. Yeah, I don't think you it have to be cycl- in ketosis all the time. ketogenic diet. Yeah, but even when you go off, you're not switching your diet to spaghetti. You know, you're not eating, right. you know, fucking Wonder Bread and shit like that. Like, you, would, you would love it if you switched to spaghetti, right? That's your thing. Pasta? Well, I like it. <laughs> I like it when I cheat, but I don't like the effect on my body, for yeah. sure. I just like the taste of it. Like, linguine with clams is one of my favorite things to eat. But 
the way I feel afterwards Terrible. is not my favorite How feeling. How about bread and butter? Why it's is that so good? Wonderful. It's Why wonderful. is that so it's good? It's amazing. So good. Well, you know, people out in California, <laughs> they don't even know. We always talk about this hard rolls. You used to go oh, yeah. get like a buttered yeah. roll in the morning. Yeah. And we yeah. grew up in New York. So you sure. go get a buttered roll. Bagel. Bagel. Best, Bagel with butter? Yeah, it was the best thing ever. Yeah. And out here, they don't have them. Thank God. I'm actually glad they don't have them. You here. know what I've had that I fucking love? Sourdough bread with grass-fed butter and honey. Oh my god, oh man! Sourdough, Ooh. sourdough is really good. But honey on top of the butter. Oh so, Jesus! Oh. With all this ketogenic, that sounds amazing. With all this so, keto so stuff going on, I've been wondering when somebody's going to make some bread. Like figure they out. They have no yeah, foods. It's terrible though. It's not that bad. No foods is good. I like their bread. I make egg sandwiches oh, the, the with no their foods, bread. I haven't yeah, tried that one. I haven't tried they that make one yet. A lot of good stuff. They I know make they just waffles. came out. Yeah, they I've tried the waffles. I tried the good the donuts and stuff like that. But I think yeah. a lot of those things for me, they have way too many carbohydrates for me. You they know? do way too many. But I think isn't there something about the type of carbs they have? They have like fibers in them usually. Glucose. Yeah, yeah. They don't raise your blood level, blood sugar level. Yeah. Well, I you know i don't want to eat regular waffles on a regular basis but if i'm gonna cheat and i eat what they have you know and they also have a, a very low sugar um syrup too mm-hmm. that tastes very good uh, with some butter it's just yeah. it's the best option if you're going to do something like that exactly you, know? you should yeah. mostly eat real foods like right. i feel better when i eat meat and vegetables that's when i when i'm you know i had jordan peterson on and he had some pretty serious autoimmune disorders and his body was really in trouble wow. and his daughter had similar problems and his daughter went to essentially a diet of just meat and greens and now i think she's on a carnivore diet hmm. and she's got a instagram page too documenting it but he went to meat and greens, lost a shit ton of weight, was losing, I think he said he was losing, what did he say, like seven pounds a month for something like, something along those lines. <clears throat> lost a ton of weight and looks great. He said he's thinner than he's been in 25 years, feels great. All his autoimmune issues were done. I think a lot of what people are dealing with is inflammation that's caused by too much processed carbohydrates, too much simple refined carbohydrates and sugars. And the inflammation yeah. leads to disease. So yes. if you look at uh, what they call the five scourges of health, they are uh, obesity, cancer, cognitive decline, heart disease, and diabetes. Those are all metabolic. Those are all things that we get through food. And over half the people that are in the hospital today, right now in the United States, are in there for metabolic issues. So that's crazy. It so is crazy. Most So... More than half of the people that are in the hospital are there because of what they ate. It is crazy. And you see a direct correlation between the amount of refined sugars and carbohydrates human beings have adjusted and started eating to the rise in diabetes and heart disease and all these other issues. And, you know, the, one of the things we were talking about before the podcast is <clears> – <throat> sorry, I went running today. For some reason, I can't stop coughing. People are dealing with a lot of various health issues. And they're always trying to pin, a, like, one cause of these heart, health issues. Yeah. And one of the real problems is when people develop these ideological answers, like veganism is one of them. They do not want to think that there's anything healthy about meat and that what they do is the only way. Mm-hmm. And this is the way. And, like, I'm watching this. There's a thread right now going on on Twitter between some cockamamie vegan doctor who's full of shit and all these people that are s- citing science. And, and he is getting pissed off and he's showing his degree and <laughs> photos of his degree. And they're like, look, motherfucker, there's real science to the fact that dietary cholesterol is necessary. It's, it's the building blocks for cells. I mean, it literally is. Mm. It's, the, the, it's the reason why your body is converting it 
to, to all the sex hormones, cholesterol, saturated fat. Your body processes that. It's healthy for your brain. It's healthy for your heart. All these things are a fact. He's not recognizing the fact that the issue is not saturated fat. It's saturated fat in conjunction with all these other things. And that's a problem with these studies. Like one of the studies they did recently where they showed that um, people who ate meat more than five times a week were much more likely to have heart disease. Mm. But that's not a good study because they yeah. didn't say, what are they eating the meat with? <laughs> yeah, right. What else are they what doing? What are you eating the meat with? Uh, what's their potato? life right. like? Yeah. Are you eating it with bread? Are you eating it in a, in a, in a, in a, as a burger? Are you drinking a soda with it? Right. Like this is not a good study. A good study would be have someone, you know, get a, a large group of people, put them on a carnivore diet, have a large group of people, put them on a keto diet, have a large group of people, put them on a standard American diet, let them <clears throat> eat burgers. And fries and chocolate shakes and sodas and let's 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 find out what the fuck it is. Put people on a vegan diet. I have had tons of friends, including Sam Harris, who was on a vegan diet and his fucking blood sugar was off the charts. He had to try was trying to figure out how to stay healthy. Like he tried. He tried it for a long time, but he felt like shit and then he went and switched to fish and he felt like shit just doing that yeah. too. And then he went back to meat. Yeah. Now he's healthy. I think the again. answer the answer always seems to come back to being in the middle somewhere, right? Like somewhere. we veer off so far and we're like, oh man, we got Doritos and we got cookies and we got all this stuff uh, being thrown at us every single day and it's convenient. And then somebody will say, okay, you know, no more carbs. And you just go the complete opposite route and you end up with something like a carnivore diet. But I think just if you were to sit there and think about stuff logically, uh, it would make sense to me that you can overdo it on meat. Like I think you can overdo it on just about anything. Yeah, I, that's why... I lean towards balance, and that's why I like vegetables. But I can't talk you guys into that. Yeah, I think your balance is probably <laughs> is probably ideal. But uh, you know, the balance of the average American is not great because I think they think they can just grab and, and reach for anything. That's their level of balance. Well, I think the average American is just trying to feed themselves. You know, right. they're just trying yeah. to. They're hungry and they're tired. And look, there's a great uh, uh, Henry Thoreau quote that most men live lives of quiet desperation. And I think that applies to so many different things. And one of them is work. Most people are fucking working all day and they're sad and they feel like shit. And when you get out of there, you're like fucking Wendy's drive through Come on, baby. <laughs> Hit me up with one of them fucking double cheeseburgers. Chocolate shake, please. Woo! <laughs> they, they get a little reward. And, you know, and then they feel even more shitty. And then they crash and they get up and they do it all over again with a fucking Egg McMuffin and a cup of coffee with three scoops of sugar in it. And this is the, this is the roller coaster that most people are on. And it, it all started with them going to bed too late. Because yep. they stayed around, that fucked too. around on their phone or watched TV. Yep. They went to bed too late. They woke up later than they wanted. They're tired because they didn't get the sleep they were supposed to get. That's they drank factor. the coffee, right? And yeah. it's just it's just one thing snowballing after another. Now, what are you guys doing in this documentary? Like, what are you trying to document? We're basically just going around interviewing people uh, that are sort of in the know, you know, that are uh, writing these books, like Mark Sisson, Rob Wolf. Those mm -hmm. are some of the people that we uh, interviewed. And just asking them, you know, basic questions about diet and nutrition and sort of seeing what, uh, where they stand. And then um, we're, we sort of – we shot about 15 interviews right now. And then it's my job to sort of figure out, like, well, how does this all correlate together? How, you know, so we, we don't really have – I'd say it would be disingenuous for me to come on and say this is exactly what we're going to do because I have mm -hmm. no idea what it's going to be. And I think that's the beauty of it. When we shot Bigger, Stronger, Faster, I had no clue how that was going to turn out. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of documentary filmmakers, they go in with like, here's the point I'm going to prove. Right. Let me find all the people and string them along and then figure out how they fit into the puzzle. And if they don't conveniently fit into my puzzle, they're out. Right. And, and 
I just, I don't know. I, I developed a different way of doing it. I just like to try to get as much information as I can and then think about it a lot and then put it in a way that makes sense to me. So you're basically doing the opposite of a lot of these propaganda films. Like this is one of the problems yeah. that I know a lot of people that have had heart disease or all these various issues, they've l- paid attention to some of these propaganda films. Like, so there's a, a couple of vegan ones that are out there right now. What the health? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> That's been widely dismissed <laughs> yeah. by scientists I, and nutrition experts and and I would love to interview him or any of the doctors that are involved in that because you know why not let them speak yeah, their let them sure. let them speak their mind and l- let's hear what they have to say and then let's talk about it you know and yeah. and I think that's that's another interesting thing because the other thing I also feel is like the guy that made what the health uh, I just feel like he has good intentions also yes Right. I mean, he's not trying to like kill people, kill people. He's trying to help people just like I'm trying to help people. So he's over here going like this guy's trying to help people eating meat. He's crazy. The problem is I'm not doing that to him. I think like there is a lot of benefits to a vegan diet. There are a lot of people that could benefit from it. Can everybody benefit from it? I don't know. There's a lot of things missing also. So I, I definitely question it, but I don't shit all over it. I don't think that's the way to help people. The way to help people is to sort of bring them together and figure out what I think works. it's very rare that people do it right. And I think if you do it right and you have, uh, you know, some sort of B12 supplements, whether it is, uh, you know, from um, like uh, greens, like um, what do they use? That, uh, what's that? Algae oh, greens. Oh, yeah, the algae v- stuff v- that v- uh, yeah. Dominic D'Agostino uses, right? Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that you can you can get your B vitamins from and and if they're not opposed, I mean, some of the simplest organisms on the planet are mollusks, you know, and I know that people think of them as animal life, but they're more primitive than plants. I mean, there's, there's certain clams and mollusks and things like that. They don't, they don't feel fucking shit. Like, they're not suffering. They, they literally don't have the capacity for pain. And they're one of the more primitive life forms on Earth. I mean, we deviated from them 600 million years ago or something like that. They're barely an animal. We can call them an animal. They're some, but see, what we say is because they move. Yeah. You know, because right. the clam closes its mouth, we've decided that that's a living <laughs> well, thing. Plants move too. I mean, they do. you have they the do. plant that eats the, the rats. Yeah, that, that thing's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Or Venus flytraps. Yeah, but move. the thing is, plants are far more complex in their ability to communicate and their ability to even express predation, pain, and pr- protect themselves through various chemical uh, means to yeah. protect themselves from predation. They change the way they taste to keep from getting eaten. And there's been studies also that if you just play the sound of a caterpillar eating leaves next to plants, they recognize that sound and they change their taste profile, which is just fucking crazy. And and those are are chemicals like lectins, things like lectins and stuff that – can be very damaging to people. A lot of people don't know, but if you eat you know, cucumbers and tomatoes and stuff like that, you're getting a lot of these lectins mm-hmm. um, that a lot of people are – they have adverse reactions to. So a lot of people be eating you know, a variety of vegetables in their diet and not understand why they still don't feel good. Uh, they need to look into that. They might have a lectin issue. You know? Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. So a lot of people when we, don't know uh, about when it. we started this film, you know, we were going to call it the war on carbs. That's what we were. That's what we were talking about. And that's that's what we've uh, been talking about for quite a long time. But as we started to go through the movie, we're like, oh, I don't know. War on carbs. Like maybe that's going to isolate and that's going to uh, pigeonhole the movie into one style. But as we started interviewing more and more people, we realized that the problem is carbs. 
it's really 100% a war on, the problem. A war on refined carbs right. and, and yeah. vegetable oils and, sh- and sugars, yeah. you know, right. sugar, which is a refined carb. you say carbs, you're talking about pizza, basically, and ice cream and all the all the excess things that people are eating. Polyunsaturated We're not really saturated talking. vegetable oils, refined yeah. carbohydrates, refined sugars. And That's these are right. all product of the modern world. Modern industrialized world they, and they call food it production. Western, they call the uh, diseases Western <laughs> diseases because they didn't used to have these, you know, yeah. diseases on this other, level in other countries. And then when we started exporting, you know, molasses and we started exporting rice and everything else we were exporting um, to these other countries that didn't have it, they all got sick. They all started getting sick. You know, they all started their obesity rates went up, their diabetes rates went up, and that's. That's just proof right there that if you eat that stuff, you know, it will have those consequences. Well, one of the one of the great ways uh, um, I've seen someone talk about, I forget who it was that was discussing this. They were saying, look at humans' teeth. People did not suffer from the type of tooth decay they suffer from now. Yeah. What is that from? Well, it's from refined carbohydrates and sugar. That's what it is. And especially sugary drinks. Like people were constantly drinking soda. I mean, you are just fucking torturing your teeth. You're just throwing acid <laughs> on your teeth all day. Yeah. I can't believe I used to eat all that stuff when I look back. You know, no. I go, man, I used to eat all that and look forward to it too, right? And, yeah. I, and I, I guess I thought I felt okay, but yeah. I really didn't. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, like thinking back on it, I'm like, I feel way better now. But back then, <clears throat> I thought I was okay. I thought I was doing a good job. You didn't know any better. I mean, that, that is the thing. Well, even doing a low carb ketogenic diet, I was still eating a ton of vegetable oil, you know, and stuff like that. And that's just it was. What Not kind of good, vegetable oil were you eating? Well, just like I – okay, chicken wings, they don't have carbs in them, but they're mm-hmm. deep fried, right? Right. It's terrible. You know, oh, so, you're eating that, yeah. I mean just stuff like that I'd say that you still have in your diet and not know about. I used to have um, – I was doing a low-carb diet, so I'd figure, okay, I'll make a big salad and I'll dump this you know, dressing all over it and the dressing's full of soybean oil. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. You know, you're so, not thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So when you set out to do this, what was the motivation? Just because your own – the health benefits that you found from adjusting your own diet? I think just – yeah. I mean I, I just like to help people. You know, I like to make films that can help people find their way, find what's good for them or what works for them. And, um, you know, they can take it or leave it. I think this falls in the category of addiction too because the place that he came from where he was addicted to drugs and alcohol um, and he was able to overcome a lot of that, I think the ketogenic diet, I, I think without it, I think it would have been a lot harder. Don't oh, way agree? harder. I mean, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think the ketogenic diet played into it. And I think the why reason- so? Why so? Why it- I, I did a ketogenic diet in rehab. So when I got to rehab, I was like, I'm not eating carbs. Like, that's it. But so, why Why did that help you? Um, it helps with your cognitive function. It helps you to um, – it just it helps your brain. You know, it helps your brain work better. Habits. And so um, when, I, when I went to rehab, you know, I was about 245 pounds, and I came out at like 215 uh, from doing a keto diet, and I started training again a little bit. But I was still very sick, and I was very – like, I was, I was messed up at that time. Like, I wasn't right uh, mentally – or physically, I was just broken, you know, and I was ready for mm. a change. And so, um, you know, it, w- it was very humbling, you know, it still is actually to even talk about it. So um, getting knocked down a, a little bit helped me. Um, it also helped me to start back over and start back over with a with a better head on my shoulders, you know, because I used to think I knew everything. Right. And now I think I know nothing. And I think that that's important because I have this white belt mentality now that right. I use on everything. And I actually got that from talking to Fabrizio Verdum because like, he was always learning, always thinking, right. always learning, right? And so I asked him one time, I was talking about something, and he's, he said, yeah, I have a white belt mentality towards everything. And I think I've heard you talk about that yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, I think that's important, though, because we think we know everything, and we start preaching all this stuff, and then 
I turned around and go, wow, I really don't know what I'm talking about a lot of times. I really better think about what I say more. And even now, I'm just a lot more careful about making absolute statements. I don't make any more absolute statements or things like that because you want to be sure that you're conveying the right information to people. What were you saying before the podcast started? You were, we were going to bring it up again about veganism coming from a religion. Yeah, veganism started um, with the Seventh Adventist Church, I believe. So there was um, a, you know, a group of people that had a church and the guy that led the church as part of the, the church was like, you know, they were following the Jewish kosher laws or whatever at first. And it was like no pigs or whatever else, uh, shellfish, I think. <clears throat> yeah. No pigs or shellfish. And then the guy just said, like, it just sort of took it to a next level and said, like, no, no meat, no animal products at all. And so these people that were in this church were like the first real group of, of vegans. The Church of Seventh Adventist, I think, is what it's called, is where it came from, like, 1863 is when that, like, movement, I guess, started. I'm sure it started earlier. I'm sure people were doing it earlier than that, obviously, but I think that that's where the, the roots came in. And I just find that really interesting because, it does, you know, it does seem like a religion. It seems like um, they – it seems like a lot of times you get um, – I, I get called out a lot on, on Instagram and stuff like that from people that are vegan saying, like, I can't believe you do this and blah, blah. But I would never go on their page and say anything to them at all. Well, you know, so. they're proselytizing. I mean, that's that's a big part of this whole community is it's there's a moral high ground. They stand on it. And then a lot of these people, especially people with vegan in their name and their screen name, they always go <laughs> after people. Yeah. And, they yeah, you know, they try to shame people. And what they're doing is. In, uh, in many ways, is a very good thing. They're not participating in factory farming, right? They're not participating in the horrors that we see in these fucking PETA videos where you see cows and pigs and chickens that are just yeah. being tortured. All that fuck, that is disgusting. And that should be eliminated and shouldn't be a part of modern culture. But in terms of, like, the humane raising and killing of animals, look, they're not going to live forever, and I don't care what you say. I, I'm not into animal suffering. I don't think they should suffer. But if you try to say that people are not herbivores or that people are herbivores, rather, and that we're not omnivores, you're crazy. It's just not true. It's not fact. And they show a picture. These are not the teeth of a carnivore. These are the teeth. That we're we're yeah. not carnivores, stupid. We're omnivores. They and show you, you the at intestines and everything. Yeah, we, we look real similar in our teeth to fucking chimps. Mm. Chimps are omnivores. And the human diet is a very complex thing. When you attach that human diet to ideology, then it gets really screwy because you're not dealing, you're not dealing with people that are being honest about dietary, like what is really important and for dietary requirements, how your body functions, what the studies show. If you look at it objectively, the objective, the first thing anybody should say, first thing. Across the board, get rid of all the fucking sugar. That's number one. Yeah. Get rid of all the refined carbohydrates. Eat more vegetables. I think you guys don't. Eat more vegetables. Eat healthy fats. Get some form of omega fatty acids. Recognize that the omega fat, fatty acids that you get from flaxseed oil are not as bioavailable. It's fact from studies. Not as bioavailable as the omega fatty acids you get from fish and meat. Yeah. They're just not. The meat, the protein. You say, well, broccoli has 15 grams of protein. <laughs> it's not as bioavailable, you fucks. And you know it's not. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. So you can get bioavailable protein from plants. You get it from hemp. You get it from quinoa. You get it from peas. Pea protein's very good. But it's not as good as the, the protein that you get from meat. It's just not. Can it sustain you? Yes, it can. Can you be a healthy person and live a fucking balanced life on a completely vegetarian diet? 100%. But I would always recommend 
eat free-range eggs. You're not hurting a chicken. Nothing gets hurt. It is free food. We have, I have chickens. They roam around. They eat vegetables. Nobody eats them. The chickens live a fucking healthy life. They lay eggs. We eat the eggs. The eggs are healthy as fuck. Eat those. Find a place that has free-range chickens. Eat the eggs. It's, I mean, it's not vegan, but it is vegetarian. If you want to get rid of dairy and you don't want – I get it, man. I've seen dairy, dairy farms. It's fucked up. You see what they're doing to cows and they, they, you know, what, the way they, they treat them and the way they raise them and just the whole idea behind it, like making them lactate. The only time cows <laughs> lactate is when they have a baby, yeah. right? So they keep them in this state and it's just – it's unnatural. And that is a reality of dairy production. And if you don't want to be a part of that, that's 100% noble. But we have to be honest about nutrition requirements, not about the ideology of veganism. And this is the problem with these people. And so many of them, especially the ones with vegan attached to their identity, because they use the name, like, I'm, I'm vegan warrior, this is vegan prince, I'm the vegan defender. They're fucking morons yeah. who joined a gang. And what they do is they start eating plants, they start talking shit, and they go looking to just go after anybody who's not on the same page as them. And the real problem is people that watch a movie like What the Health or something and then think, well, that, this is, oh my God, I'm killing myself by not being a vegan. No, you need to Google What the Health debunked and find out the actual science because what they're talking about is bullshit. They're not being honest. What they've done is make a vegan proselytizing movie. They're trying to get people to join in because that's what they do. And a lot of these people, they give up. A lot of these people, they get to a point where their health can't take it anymore, right. and they fucking give up. Chris Kresser, he's yeah. a perfect example. Yeah, I, I don't know Chris if you have yeah. you interviewed him for Great your film. Guy. Not yet, but we will. He's we'll fucking brilliant, and he was a macro. He was a macrobiotic vegan. I mean, this guy was all off the charts with veganism, and eventually realized his body was falling apart and gave up on it. There's some, some people that own that restaurant in California in Hollywood. What is it called? The uh, something cafe. Gratitude. Thank you. Gratitude. Cafe Gratitude? Yeah, yeah I know Cap about that. Yeah. yeah, these people were, I mean, their fucking health was falling apart. So they decided mm. to raise their own cattle and eat their own meat. And vegans found out they got death threats and people were fucking going really? after them. Yes, man. It was a terrifying thing for these people. They're older wow. folks and they, they, they have their own farm and they were raising their own farm animals and they decided to start eating them. And when they made these posts about starting eating, these people went after them, man. You know, it's not... This is not kindness and, you know, this is not someone who's compassionate. These are fucking cunts yeah. that are in a gang and that they're in the plant gang. You know, and if you taught, and I'm sure you've seen it by doing this carnivore diet thing, if you do anything that's outside <laughs> of that, they go after you. Yeah. They start jumping And, right and to, just so everybody knows, uh, you, you keep mentioning uh, you're not going to talk us into liking vegetables or whatever. Uh, I, I do eat vegetables occasionally I, if you have to well no i would just say <laughs> my, in the way. my ketogenic diet before i went on the carnivore diet was mainly a vegetarian diet like mostly vegetables i would eat a lot of vegetables big salads and all stuff and i'd throw a little bit of meat in because i was very concerned about eating too much protein so i'd only eat 80 to 100 grams of protein a day now i eat double that and so that's sort of what the switch was and it's just an intervention for now um, I feel like I feel that I used to think that the best healthiest diet for a human being would be a vegan diet with like three or four ounces of meat thrown in at every, at every meal, you know, yeah. just to add the animal fat and animal protein. I thought like that would be really smart. Now I'm starting to think the opposite. I think front loading your body with the nutrients that it needs because our body's always in search for nutrients. That's why we're hungry. We're always searching for the nutrients that we need, the vitamins and minerals that we need and all the macronutrients we need. If we front load it first and give us a, you know, a chunk of nice steak, 
you, your body's not hungry afterwards. And I think that's what's happened to me where now I'm sort of giving my body what it needs and it never, it's never asking for what it doesn't need. I saw a comment the other day on one of those animal videos, one of those horrible factory farming videos, said, because of this video, I'm 60% vegan now with my diet. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. What the fuck does that mean? But that's the type of morons we're dealing with here. People that are not looking at themselves or anything, honestly. They, they're, they're trying to stand on the moral high ground. And if, if they know they eat meat, they can't. So they say, well, I'm almost all vegan. Well, okay, well, those... <laughs> Poor little fucking cows you murder. They're forty <laughs> yeah. percent almost. Right. Everybody who eats a balanced diet sixty percent vegan. That's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's it's a ridiculous normal. thing to say. But this is the problem: is people they're not just eating things; they're posturing like out. They're they're publicly posturing on their position sure. on on morals and ethics. You yeah, know, we see is, it all the time. Yeah, we see it in in every aspect of fitness. We see it. Oh yeah. You see it in all areas. But I think there's also a difference between, um, you know, survival and there's a difference between performance. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we're asking our bodies, all three of us at the table, we're asking our bodies to do some demanding things. So I think in that case, like maybe we do need a little bit more meat, especially if meat is going to be kind of our main driver of our calories. And it kind of makes sense that we would need a little bit more of that than maybe your average person. So what you said about the three ounces of meat every couple meals probably makes sense and probably be great for survival. The other thing that's really interesting, though, is that even for those of us who have been trying to seek the truth and for those of us who have been uh, trying to eat good and trying to train, and it's not like you're like, oh, there's Joe Rogan, 150 years old. Look at that fucking guy. Yeah. You know, it, we still don't really uh, – you know, you're not ensuring anything, right? But uh, you're trying to just live the life that you want to live the best way possible that you can live it. Yeah, if I live to be 150, those last couple of years are going to suck effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last couple. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not convinced that people won't in our lifetime. I mean, with, with science and fucking stem cells. I think and, they said right now, if you're born today, you have a chance of living to be 104 is like that. 104? I'm going to live to be 104, bitch. If well, I don't get killed say, or hit by say, a car or yeah. hit by an asteroid. But the thing is, uh, you and I and a lot of other people listening, we, we started 30, 40 years in. You right. know what I mean? We started too late. I don't know when you started eating better, but I know that it wasn't your whole life, right? No, no, it wasn't my whole life. Um, I was certainly eating a high, refined carbohydrate diet up until 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I really got into, I mean, I've always been supplementing with vitamins and I've been getting my blood work done for a couple decades now, but the real shift was switching to ketogenic. Do you know where the shift came from me? And you're probably not going to believe this. The shift came for me after going to a show where I first met you, very time we first met. I don't even know if you remember it. Uh, it was outside the Ice House in Pasadena, and I came up to you and talked to you with Brian Callen, and you were talking about diet, and you were saying, man, I can't believe that people eat all this shit. And like, you know, you say every town I go to, I, the first thing I do is look for the Whole Foods, and I find the Whole Foods, and I go get my food. And I'm thinking like, man, I travel all the time. If Joe Rogan can do this, like why am I not doing it? You know, yeah. why am I being so lazy with my diet? I'm so fat. Like, what's going on? And I, that day actually really made me think about a lot. And I, th I saw you as an inspiration. Oh, and, that's cool, uh, man. after that day, I started really digging into it a lot more. So, Well, I spend a lot of time in hotels. So what I would do is I would show up at a place on Thursday and I'd be there till Sunday. You know, especially when I was doing comedy clubs on the road. 
So I'd go to Whole Foods. I'd stock up on kombucha. I would get uh, a, a bunch of healthy snacks, a bunch of raw almonds and things along those lines. So that way I had something in my hotel room all the time. So if I'm writing or you know getting done working out or something like that, I'm not eating candy bars. I'm not raiding the hotel mini bar and eating bullshit. That makes all the difference in the world, though. Fuck yeah, And that's how I travel now, too. I just have everything ready to go. Yeah, get a, bring yourself a big case of bottled water. You know, make, make sure you've got stuff in your room that can sustain you. And if you're carnivore, just bring some uh, sardines in a can. Yes, I do a lot of that. I bring sardines. I bring uh, oysters. I bring oysters with me. You're not you know? going to believe this. My first sardine <laughs> I, I've ever eaten was like two days ago, actually. What? I just So because you guys talk about it so much, <laughs> D'Agostino, we went and visited Dom D'Agostino and interviewed him. He just kept talking about these sardines. So I'm like, finally, I got to try it. They taste just like tuna fish. They're great. Oh, sounds they're so great. Gross. I can't believe you never had sardines. They're awesome. They're great. It sounds gross. It, they sound gross, but I had them like about two weeks ago as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe, wild, maybe a month or two wild, ago. The wild planet ones. Yeah, yeah. wild planet. Good. They have some good stuff. Oil, yeah. They also have mackerel and a bunch of other different things they sell. I, I was used to the ones that my grandfather get where you like peel the can down, mm-hmm. and then it was like these little little like fish in too. there. I those I look those look too gross to me. So I, that's what I remember seeing as <laughs> sardines. Good man, they're good. I like sardines. They're very healthy for you as long as. Well, one thing though, I do have to say, I was eating a can or two a day, Damn. and then I, I found arsenic in my blood. That's right, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. and then the doctor's like, just lay off that. And let's do another <laughs> test in a month, and then it was gone. And so it's just they they there's a lot of heavy metals in the water, and they're they're low on the uh, in the in the ocean floor. I mean, they're down there with all that shit yeah speaking of fish and stuff like that i do think it's important for people to get some omega-3s and if they are going to try a carnivore diet and a way to do that is either eat the grass-fed beef or mm-hmm. to add in some uh, salmon so i add in salmon twice a week usually just pokey or something like that mm-hmm. just eat it eat it by yeah. itself with what some, about uh, oils uh what about just t- getting some fish oil and and taking that in I, so I like, I like whole foods and I like things in the whole food environment. And the more I do research on things and look into it, the more I realize like the whole foods are really where it's at. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of studies on it and things like that, but I just feel like, um, the, the way that I, the way that they make fish oil and the way that it sits <clears throat> around forever and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. know. So I don't use it, you know? Right. Um, one of the things I do use because I can't, I can't stand uh, eating it. So I can stand to eat the fish. I like the fish. I like salmon. Um, I do not like liver. But beef liver is the highest in nutrients. You want to talk about a superfood. It yeah. is like the true superfood, yeah. but way more than quinoa. Or, and, and there's so many nutrients in beef liver, but I don't like it. So I take beef liver tablets or capsules or whatever. Oh, I love liver. And those taste You don't gross. like it? I don't know that I don't like it. I don't know how to cook it, so I've never actually made it. All you do is take uh, a dusting of, like, ketogenic flour, like almond flour or something like that, put it on there and fry it in butter. Just fry it. Really? Like, yep. Slice that baby up then. Fry it with onions. Do you like onions? You're going to see a YouTube video then. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I got some elk liver if you want to try that. That'll, that'll fucking – if you think beef liver strong – you take elk liver, you're like, yo. Deadlift I had some uh, liverwurst, and I thought it was pretty good. Well, that's, yeah. that's a different thing. Um, Kyle, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> it's different. It's good right? for you, yeah. too, though. Your buddy uh, Kyle Kingsbury, he recommended the liverwurst, and uh, I was, yeah. I didn't I didn't want to do it. And um, It's good. He, yeah, well, that's just said, like hey, mixed really, in with other stuff it, or something, right? It's really good. And in, I don't know what's in liverwurst. That's a good question. It's liver and kidneys and hearts and all Let's that find stuff. out. Well, all those things are great. Organ meat is the best meat for you, and liver in particular. That's why wolves, when the alpha is established in the pack, the alpha will always eat the wolf or mm. eat the uh, liver first. 
I you can know, one there was a there was this crazy uh, thing that this guy was doing where he was living with wolves, and uh, <laughs> he had established himself as the alpha in the pack. And one of the ways he would do that, they would have a kill, and he would plant a liver inside the kill, and then he would eat the liver and growl at all the other wolves. <laughs> he would let him go because he's got the liver. Because yeah. once the but then. He uh, had to leave in order to help someone else. This guy had a farm that was being attacked by wolves. And so he set up some speakers and had some other wolves howl and had essentially tried to convince these wolves that were killing these guys' uh, animals that a new pack had been in town. And with these big speakers, these other wolves were like, holy shit, there's a lot of <laughs> fucking wolves here. Let's get out of here. And it, it literally worked. But he was gone for a while, I think for a couple months. And when he came back, the other wolves were like, fuck you, motherfucker. We're the alpha now. And he almost got killed by these wolves. Jeez. It's terrifying to watch him whimpering in front of these wolves <laughs> while these wolves are like inches away from him with their teeth. Like Shit. big fucking wolves, man. Why Just, did the guy do that? Well, he was doing studies on wolves, and they oh. were all contained in this large, <laughs> fenced-in area, which is also highly criticized because there's some videos on, on uh, YouTube that you can see of uh, these wolves attacking this one beta wolf. And one of the reasons why that behavior is so accentuated is the fact that they are contained in a very small area. I mean, it's big in that it's a few acres, but it's small in terms of what a wolf's natural roaming would be. They do say that animals tend to go for the liver, like they know yes. about it. So um, if you look at salmon, there's a, there'd be a bunch of salmon in a river, and like there'd be a big chunk taken out of them, but the rest of the body would be there. And the reason why the bear would, would just basically rip out its liver and wow. that's what it, that's what it was Shit. after that's and, when it's uh, like they're in full surplus or yeah, salmon everywhere and it, they just and it go. would go get four or five livers wow. you know because it wanted to eat that so it's like looking at the salmon almost like an egg and that's the egg yolk you know that's, that's the important part yeah most animals like uh most predatory animals they go for the guts first mm. it's really weird yeah and, like and, and back in the day i think when they used to kill things they would say that even human beings were all the organs first oh yeah i mean organ meat kidney pie and shit like that i mean that was but they didn't know they were doing it for nutrition they just didn't want to waste anything no i think the yeah, heart you think you're right heart's great too i got some elk heart if you and want then to try they that probably went with what tasted better right like yeah. eventually you know if the heart tasted great they'd yeah be like, hey, let's yeah the heart do doesn't the heart. doesn't taste the best the best is like the back strap and which is the loins or the tender loins you know which is the inside that stuff is the most tender, and a lot of people feel like it's the best. Some people, like in a cow, they like a New York strip. It's like a more, uh, it's got a more richer taste. But most people don't find the liver to taste the best. But it's just because it's a strong flavor. I, I don't know. I've always liked it. I've always liked liver and the onions. Beef liver, desiccated beef liver <laughs> capsules actually taste like a fart. What's that mean? Uh, when you when, when you, you burp? When, uh, no, just when when you when you take them, you can drink as much water as you want. You're always going to get that little like oh. Well, you taste is, like a fart. Well, wow. It's, you know, it's mm. like you know, when, when you eat the meat, it doesn't taste like that. When you eat the meat of the liver, it doesn't doesn't taste that. I bad. don't think uh, your diet should be high in farts. Ah. No, <laughs> Chris Kresser is a big proponent of organ meat, and he said when he had a bunch of autoimmune issues as well, mm. and he said that auto that eating liver and heart and kidneys and stuff like that, all that stuff really helped him tremendously. Yeah, I wish I liked liverwurst more. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that I don't like it that much. Just though. force yourself to eat it, man. Yeah. Force yourself to eat cow's liver when you don't really. The problem is you're getting calves' liver most of the time, which is kind of fucked up. You're I think though you're cow. right. If you do force yourself to eat it, you end up actually liking it a lot. Huh. You know, sometimes. 
You can eat it in a place that cooks it well. If you go to a really good restaurant that serves liver and onions, a good restaurant that serves it, it it's delicious. It's just you got to find someone who knows how to prepare it properly. Yeah. You yeah. teach your kids to eat healthy, or is it just kind of like they just watch and they kind of Dude, pick my off kids of some eat of everything? Stuff? It's really unusual. They've been eating from the time they were really little. I started hunting in 2012. So for the last six years, they've been eating wild game. So from the time they were little, like my seven-year-old, she doesn't know anything different. Mm. She's eating beef for <laughs> sure. Cool. She eats hot dogs and normal stuff that kids eat. But she's been eating elk and bear and deer and, you know, moose her whole life. That's she's cool. eaten wild turkey. She's eaten, like, basically all the different things that people hunt for she's eaten since she was a little kid. You guys talk about nutrition at all? Yes, yes. When, the other thing that my kids eat that's really spectacular to watch is they love kimchi, especially my youngest. She loves probiotics, which oh, is crazy. Cool. Yeah, we give them probiotics in supplements. We give them probiotics in, in terms of yogurt and acidophilus and, and these little uh, Bio-K formulas that, that are pretty rich. In mm -hmm. it, and they taste pretty good, too. There's some sugar in there, unfortunately. But, but getting your kids into really healthy probiotic foods, it's interesting. What's interesting is how quickly they snap back from colds. How, yeah. how resistant they are to them and how quickly they snap back for them because they have this healthy biome, this healthy immune system. Kimchi is one of my – I had some kimchi today. I eat it almost every day. Yeah. I get this uh, – there's a company called uh, Mother-in-Law's Kimchi. It's my favorite. And I'll buy like five jars at a time and I go through those fuckers in like two weeks. You Don't just people, eat it by itself? I eat kimchi with meat most of the time. Yeah. I'll slice meat and put kimchi on it and oh. eat the two of them together. Don't people bury that shit like in their backyard yep. or something like that? The Koreans that? do. Yeah, they make a pot and it ferments and they bury it in their backyard. It's really good for your gut microbiome. Mm. And the more we find out about that, that's why I was saying like what I'm doing is an intervention. I'm not going to just eat meat forever. Right. Um, because I the next, the next step for me is once I get to the point where I feel like I'm lean enough to where I want to be, I still want to lose about – you know, 10 pounds. And, um, Do you really? Yeah, I get leaner. You look I pretty lean. still have a lot of belly fat that's been around from uh, drinking every day for, for oh, years, you know? So funny. the upper abs come in, but then mm -hmm. the lower abs are still, uh, you know, so we got yeah. to tighten that shit up. Other than Peter Luger going off the rails, I've been on a strict diet for two weeks, and I've lost five pounds. What's your diet? What's mostly your strict? just meat and vegetables. That's mostly it. And Any water. sort of uh, rhyme or reason, or you just eat as much as you want when you want, or... I got a little fat. I got up to about 200, and that's when I'm fat. And I, I like to be, like right now, I was 194 after my run, so I'm probably like 196. It's amazing. I, we weigh the same exact weight, 194 yeah. this morning. Damn. Yeah. Just became best friends. Oh, yeah. my God. Did we just become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> I like to be, I think, if I'm really, if I'm shredded, I'm down at about 192. That's, yeah. that's when I think I'm really, so I think I need, I could lose another four pounds. I think being mindful is a key factor. You yeah. know, that you're like, yep. oh, I'm getting fat. Hold yeah. yourself to a standard. I tell people all the time, try to be made of something different. Yeah. The only way I know how to like build up uh, any self-esteem or, you know, build up self-respect or any of these things is, is through training or through diet. Yep. I can't really do it through a business meeting. I can't do it just through like reading a book. You can get motivated by watching a YouTube video or something, but that, that lasts you a couple hours. Maybe it lasts you for the week. Maybe it helps point in the right direction, which is cool. Well, the thing about it for martial arts, especially for striking, is when you lose weight, you, you move faster. Mm. It's like if I, if I went out there and hit the bag and I put a 40-pound weight vest on, strapped that fucker in, I would feel slower. I mean, I just would. I just There's no way around it. 
Well, even 10 pounds makes a difference. When I used to fight, one of the things that I noticed when I would get down close to my weight class is I just moved quicker because I was carrying around less weight. I felt, I felt like I was less to move around. Like my muscles are essentially as strong. I probably lost a little bit of muscle when you lose weight, but most of it was there. But my yeah. body fat was, uh, my body weight was down several pounds, and I would just move quicker. You must be tough as a fighter to gauge that too, though. Like when you lose too much, like maybe yeah. you like want, almost want to avoid food to feel faster. You you, find, you see that with a lot of UFC fighters yeah. when they get down too low in weight, they just can't perform properly, and it's that. And I think there's a real issue with MMA, and that issue is there's not enough weight classes. Mm. There, I I'm, I feel very be more, huh? very very strongly about this. I, I think there's giant gaps. Like 185 to 205 drives me fucking crazy. It's a 20 pound that's a gap. Tough, that's a tough area too because. Giant. Guys can be so muscular yeah. at that weight or skinny. Right? It doesn't. It's well, like, it's really how tall they are. Yeah, whatever. but it's really like what is your optimal? And the idea that people would fit in between that twenty pound optimal, either this way or that way, is crazy. Because those two hundred five guys, a lot of them could be heavyweights. Like John Jones. John Jones could be the heavyweight champion of the world, one hundred percent, no yeah. doubt about it. He's a no savage. fucking doubt about it. Yet he still weighs two hundred five when he fights, and he doesn't have a hard time making that weight. Now, if you're a guy like say Hector Lombard who's fought at 170 and just really packs a lot of meat on <laughs> and he fights at 185 you know if it, when he fights at 185 he could, he's also fought at 205 before i believe if he decided to fight at one at 205 and John Jones decides to fight at 205 i mean Hector's my height and John Jones towers over me. So you're looking at just a totally different body size, yeah. Yeah. totally different frame. That 20 pounds is too much, man. And then from 205 to heavyweight, you could get some Brock Lesnar motherfucker <laughs> that, or Francis Ngannou who has to yeah. cut weight to make 265. Francis is even more impressive, right, because he's natural. I mean, he's not even barely lifting weights. I mean, that guy's just a fucking crazy. gigantic super athlete. <laughs> So that guy doesn't really lift? No. He's Dude, huge. He got that big from working in a fucking sand mine. Oh, my God. This is, I mean, he literally is like Conan the Barbarian from the Robert E. Howard novel. Is he Nigerian? He is from Cameroon, I believe, hmm. right? I think that's he's where he's from. He, there's videos of him on his Instagram from yesterday of him um, back in the same sand mine. And he's wearing his fucking Reebok jersey <laughs> with his name on the back of it, digging sand with all the guys he used to work with. Yeah. It's that fucking crazy. But that is hard labor. And it's, there he is. Do that all day? Dig fucking sand all day? You know how fucking strong you would be? Yeah. Just carrying 20-pound hunks of sand and shoving them onto the top of that truck all he's day so long? He's so efficient. He's a beast. Well, he's, uh, he's got tremendous genetics. His father is built like him, too. There's a picture of him that's on his huge. Instagram when he was three years old standing next to his father. And you look at his dad, you're like, oh, Jesus. Like the <laughs> apple in the tree. There yeah. they are, baby. You, you know? think he's going to be pretty dangerous coming up? Like as, The only you know? issue with Francis is his wrestling and his, and his endurance. And this is just based on his fight with Stipe Miocic, who, in my opinion, is the best heavyweight ever. He's I think great. If you look at what Stipe has managed to do in his career, uh, he's defended the title more than anybody. He knocked out Fabrizio Verdun, was one of the best ever. He knocked out Alistair Overeem. He beat Francis Ngannou, who everybody was fucking terrified of. And mm -hmm. Francis has been blowing everybody out of the water, including Alistair Overeem. I just think, and knocked out Junior Dos Santos, also yeah. former heavyweight champion. I think Stipe is the best of all time. So when 
you know, Stipe is able to beat you and beat you by using his wrestling and using his smarts and using his, his octagon intelligence and just his overall fight IQ. He just knows how to fight better. He's just got more tools in the toolbox. Francis can learn, and he's an incredible athlete, and what he has over everybody is power. He, he has more power in his punch. We have a machine out there called the Power Cube, and that machine, Francis registered the highest ever power punch by like 10,000 units, whatever Jeez. the fuck that means. So Tyrone Spong, who's a super powerful heavyweight boxer, he scored like 119, I think it was, and fr- or 114, and then Francis scored 129, 129,000. And Shit. you see it when he hits people. And that's about what you kick, right? You yeah. should kick a little bit more than that, so that's like getting kicked kick was, in the face. Yeah. With it. <laughs> the, the, I, I hold the record right now until somebody beats me. There you me. go. Well, I hold the record, 152, 152 from a kick. That's but again, look at the size of my legs. Of a leg, right? yeah. Carrying yeah. around 196 pounds all day, running hills with 196 pounds. Try... Try doing fucking handstands and running up a hill with handstands. You just can't. Your That's arms crazy. are not that strong. And also, you know, I've been kicking my whole life. He's really only been training MMA for five years. Yeah. So he's just a He's fun to watch. He's amazing to watch. It's like an old Tyson fight. Yeah. He, even the match, even the fight with uh, Stipe was kind of scary because he just kept getting back up. And oh, it was yeah. Like, it was like watching uh, Mike Myers, like a mm-hmm. horror movie or something. <laughs> Michael Myers and, or Freddy Krueger or something just he kept coming back. doesn't have the wrestling experience. He doesn't have the wrestling technique. But what he has is uh, incredible heart and desire. And he's very hungry to learn. And I'm I'm very hopeful that he's going to learn, and you know, and I really, really hope that he incorporates um, a, a real rigorous wrestling program because that was one thing that was lacking from his last uh, his last training camp when he fought for Stipe. Yeah. I think UFC needs a 300 and up club. I think so. You know, to have yeah. that have that weight class and then have him only fight for a minute and rest for like five minutes. Well, there's not, <laughs> the issue is there's not enough fighters. Yeah, there's not enough guys. You know, but. Not enough big boys. Yeah, maybe you just like put you saw it on the back burner for above <laughs> yeah, 265. Right? Yeah. Like, guys, listen, you can do whatever you want. Uh, hmm. You know, uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that Francis still. I mean, he's a little older in terms of like being this new to the sport at 33. You know, I mean, really didn't even start training until he was 28. It's amazing. kind of crazy. He was homeless. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a, a, a amazing story that's like right out of a movie. The guy was homeless, came from Africa where he worked in a fucking sand mine and then gets to the number one contender spot in the UFC. But there's guys now uh, like uh, um, Alexander Volkov, is that is it Volkan? Volkov? Volkov. Um, the guy who just knocked out um, Fabricio Verdum. He's this. This is a giant guy. Like he's a huge. I think he's six seven. Jeez. Yeah, and incredibly skillful. So there's there's these guys that are coming up that are like at the higher end of the weight class. How do you say his last name? Volkov. Yeah. Volkov right. I, w- I always get confused because Russians say things. With Russian accent, Alexander <laughs> Volkov. Volkov. Yeah. Volkov six is. Seven, huh? Yeah. He, find out if that's the case, if he is that yeah. tall. Yeah, he is. He is. He's 6'7. Yeah. He's uh, incredibly long and efficient, and he has real power. He And he's hard to hit, man. But his game is so well rounded. The difference between him and a guy like, you know, um, uh, Francis is he's not new to the game. 
I mean, he's a giant guy who's been fighting for a long fucking time. So he is a real efficient martial artist. When he fought Fabricio Verdun, I could tell early on these striking exchanges were like, wow, Fabricio might be in trouble. Mm. Like this guy is he's long, he knows how to stay on the outside, and he knows he's got an excellent sense of distance and he's got legit knockout power. He he fucked Fabricio up, man. That was that was hard to watch. I was like, wow, this guy's he's legit. Yeah. It's amazing he's, these uh longer body types have been so good. Anderson Silva, Bones Jones. Yep. A lot of these guys have you know, you, you I you know, wouldn't think that. You know, you'd think someone maybe shorter or stockier can get in the inside, but did you see Zabit? Long seems like a huge. Did you advantage. see Zabit Saturday night? Yeah, yeah he it was crushed. a great Magomed fight. Sharapov, <laughs> say that five times fast. Like I said before Ooh, we came on the podcast, yeah. as soon as Dominant. he came on, I'm going six Dude. two one forty five. You couldn't find a skinnier guy, I thought. And then I saw him fight, and man, he was just but, so impressive. But fast and strong. Impressive. At 145 and 6'2". I guess Hoist was, you know, he wasn't real tall, but he was like 6'1", right? But he was 175. Hmm. And, you know, he was obviously fighting in the unlimited class. And he right, was fighting right. guys like Dan Severn at the time, who was, right. you know, 265. Zabit is, is thin, but he's got muscle on him. Like, yes. He's kind of jacked Like when you look at him. He's, he's got like a perfect frame. He's yeah, almost like he's a, awesome. a little tiny Luke Rockhold in a yeah. lot of ways. But with a way more dynamic game, he could do everything, yep. that guy. He was really interesting to watch. Yeah. the first time I ever saw him fight. So. Dude, that guy is fucking phenomenal. He's so talented. That was the first time I saw him fight live. And it's, it's a different thing when you see someone live. Like you see someone in a video and you go, wow, that guy's good. But then you see him live and, you, you know, your brain has like a little computer where it's seen or, you know, you've got, you've got a database, especially me. I've seen so many fights. I have a database of how people move. And then you see that guy move and you're like, whoa, what are yeah. we looking at here? Because I love seeing that. I love seeing this next level shit, that next level thing like whether it's you know connor or whether it's uh, tyron woodley or there's every now and then you see next level and you go oh like tyron woodley to me he fought carlos condit and there was a, a moment in the condit fight where he stepped forward and snapped carlos with a, a straight right hand i was like whoa that's like 10 percent faster than it should be yeah you know what i mean like you, you get used to world-class athletes yeah. moving and then you see someone like Edson Barboza switch kick. That's another one. You're like, whoa, whoa, yeah. baby. You know? But to me, the, the biggest example of that is Nurmagomedov's wrestling. Khabib takes oh my God. everybody, everybody who's good. Rafael Dos Anjos, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt world champion, ragdolls him. <laughs> ragdolls everybody. Michael Johnson. I mean, no matter who he fights. He ragdolled this guy in the yeah. beginning, and I thought it was over right away. I was like, oh, this is over. And that, But Ayakinta did... Did really well. Did very well. Very well. The thing about Iaquinta is he's a legit crazy person. <laughs> like that guy's crazy. He trashes hotel rooms. He's like, you look in his eyes, like, oh, there's only like <laughs> he is the guy. There's only like a couple people home. It's <laughs> 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 not a full village in that head. That's not a good example. But what, what I'm saying is like he's a legit maniac and he's not scared. Like he'll fight anybody. Yeah. Like you, you could wake him up at three o'clock in the morning and he'll fight anybody. Being crazy is a thing. He was it's screaming. He was running around the hotel lobby the day when when we found out that Max Holloway could not make weight and the new, new by the way I shouldn't say could not make weight I believe Max would have made the weight they the didn't New York him. State Athletic Commission which I they made some they they made some big errors and I can go into detail with a couple of them one of them is they wouldn't let Paul Felder fight um, Paul Felder wanted to fight they said he's not ranked 
Paul Felder is a fucking killer. He is a straight-up killer. And him versus Khabib would have been a very interesting fight because Paul is a big 155. He's very big and very strong, and he is an expert, world-class striker. I mean, Paul Felder is a dangerous, dangerous man for anybody at 155 pounds. And he's a ground-and-pound expert. He's also got very good defense in, in everything. Very good defense standing up. Very good defense on the ground. I mean, Felder's fucking well-rounded. I would have been very intrigued in that fight. And they offered it to Felder. Felder said, fuck yeah. And then the Nevada State, or the, excuse me, New York State Athletic Commission said no. Said no, yeah. I was like, you guys are out of your fucking minds. You don't know shit about fighting if you don't think that guy could fight for the title. Because Paul might be fighting for the title in a year from now or whenever. I mean, he's fucking world class. So the fact that they don't know that, <laughs> and they're saying, well, based on the rankings. Well, the rankings are horse shit. Yeah, they're arbitrary. They're made, made by a bunch of people that I think a lot of times are biased. They have terrible judgment. Sometimes a guy will fuck a guy up, and then you look at the rankings, and he's below that guy. He just <laughs> fucked up in the rankings. Yeah, Explain that. that. There's no other way to tell if a guy's better than who he fucked up. And they're saying, well, his past experience, <laughs> suck fat dicks. That, <laughs> yeah. fat, that past experience doesn't mean anything. This doesn't guy mean anything. just beat this guy. Yeah. The guy beat the guy. Who beat the guy? That guy beat him? Well, if he was number one, now he's number one. That's <laughs> right. how it goes. You can't get knocked out and still be number one. That's fucking bananas. And this is often the case. We see a guy beat a guy, and he's still below the guy in the rank. He's like, what the fuck else can he do How did they end up beat with, the guy? How did they end up getting uh, Iaquinta then? They just I, asked him. He was, I mean, the, he, was, he was the next guy in line? He's on a four or five fight win streak um, and he's beaten some very good guys like Jorge Masvidal uh, Ross Pearson he's beaten some legit guys I mean look Iaquinta can bang and he's tough as shit and he's got a wrestling background which I think played a big factor in that fight obviously he was greatly outclassed by a guy who I think is one of the greatest lightweights of all time and now that he's the champion I'm very interested in seeing but I think what, what we saw in that fight that was very intriguing was the fact that Iaquinta was able to get back up and that Iaquinta was one of the few guys that Nurmagomedov has ever fought that has stuffed a bunch of takedowns mm. and then into the late rounds. And this is a guy in Al that didn't even prepare for a five-round fight. Yeah. He was getting ready for a three-round fight with Paul Felder. So, I mean, fucking props to Al Iaquinta. I mean, fucking animal. Yeah, great job. That was awesome. Animal. And... Major props to that Kyle Bokniak kid that fought Zabit. That kid oh, that was fucking that was yeah. savage because he ate everything. He was smiling, yep. getting punched in the face. Smiling and coming on at the end of the fight. <laughs> the end of three rounds of a clinic. I mean, Zabit put on a clinic. He did everything. Jump spinning back kicks, roundhouse yeah. kicks, switch kicks. He hit him with a switch kick that was like, Jesus. Bokniak took a couple to the neck, whack, and still kept coming, yeah. still kept coming. Blood coming out of his nose, his mouth. He's, he's sticking screaming his face at him, out. sticking his tongue out <laughs> oh, on him. Shit. And then Zabit is like, what the fuck do I got to do? to this guy yeah. and at the end of it Bokniak's got him pinned up against the cage and he's throwing bombs it was crazy the, f the whole place the entire Barclays Center on their yeah, feet you were going that nuts. fuck I stood up <laughs> I stood up and I was screaming and yeah, clapping it was, was phenomenal awesome. phenomenal that's what I love, you know, and that was, to, in my mind, that was worth the price of admission for the whole pay-per-view card. Just to yeah, see that was that. the best fight, for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But to see um, Al do that just shows you that, you know, Al is a legit world-class fighter. I mean, definitely is not on the level of Khabib, but nobody thought he was coming in. I think it was, a, in a lot of ways, an upset just the fact that he was able to go to the distance. And you see what Khabib did to so many other fighters. I mean, he mauled everybody else. And he, he mauled Al for a lot of the fight. I mean, look, the guy's the best wrestler at 155 ever. I mean, ever. 
He does things to world-class guys that makes you just confused because he's not – it's like there's certain guys that are doing things like Yair Rodriguez is a perfect example. He does wild shit. He does like jump 360 roundhouse kicks. He 360 roundhouse kicks BJ Penn in the face. <laughs> And you're like, what the fuck? So this is like a guy doing something to the other guy where the other guy just can't do that. He can't move that way. Nurmagomedov is doing standard stuff, but he's doing it at such a high level that he makes world-class fighters question their career. Mm. I mean, he takes them and mauls them, and they have a different sense of where they fit in the universe. It's crazy to see somebody come back from that when they're getting a shit beat at them. They're getting hit yeah. so hard. You're like, what makes you? Yeah. And I've had, I've had uh, some fighters and stuff that, that I've talked to in the past. And a lot of times they, they don't even know that how fucking batshit crazy they are. I did pro wrestling for, for a handful of years. And when I was wrestling, a lot of times we'd share the ring and, and so on. And uh, a lot of times the, the uh, UFC or the fighters, they would say, you guys are fucking crazy. What are you guys doing in there? Fucking jumping off the top rope. I'm like, we're crazy. What the fuck you're doing is fucking out of this world. Well, I've goofed around about pro wrestling before, but my honest feelings, all all bullshit aside, is it's one of the toughest professions in all of entertainment. It's brutal. It is unbelievably difficult. It is gay, though. That's why I was in it. Ah, (laughs) Just for the gay stuff? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a sport. It's entertainment. But... You have to be incredibly athletic to do some sure. of the shit they do, and the beating those guys take yeah, in terms of their body, it's it's very underappreciated because yeah. you just watch it and you go, oh, it's not real. They're not really fighting, but no, they're really hitting each other with chairs. They're really jumping off the top rope and slamming each other. I mean, all the crazy shit yeah. that they do, the the toll those guys take on their body is un unbearable. Like what we're saying about Kurt Angle, like that guy has gone yeah. through a fuckload. I mean, see if you can find that picture. I think it's on Ronda Rousey's Instagram page. Ronda Rousey with Kurt Angle at the end of their match, and he's you're looking at it. Fifty. Hey, he won yeah, an Olympic know. gold medal with a broken neck, and he's still going. It's Did crazy. he win a gold medal with a? His neck was broken yeah. when he won the Olympics. Yep, broken really? freaking neck. Not like broken in half. It was fractured. He had a fracture in his neck, and he still won. What the fuck, yeah. man? He wasn't supposed to wrestle. He's an absolute no, 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 no. How, not that. That was a good one. But the one with uh, they've got, got their arms raised. Is it on hers? Maybe it's not. There it is, right there. Uh, look at that. Look at his arms, man. Yeah, they're yeah. atrophied. Yeah. yeah, look at that left arm. I mean, that's crazy. It looks like, no no offense, Jamie. It looks like Jamie's arm. Oh, oh, Jamie, me. you got big arms. Whoa. Uh, you do have big arms. I mean, you do. But you have big arms for a normal guy. He's a goddamn gorilla. Normal? Yeah, for normal. Right. Well, you're, you're athletic. Right. I mean, you're, you're a well-built <laughs> guy. I'm not saying anything bad, but I'm saying that for the size of what he used to look like, go back. Look at the size of his fucking neck. Dude, what is that thing right below his ear? What is that? That's his neck. What is that? That's fucking crazy. Dude, that's like a, he's got a gopher living in his neck. You know, the way those guys train their neck is crazy. The way they do is bridges and shit. Mm-hmm. And they that shit's up. not good for you, man. I, I don't think so. It's but not. It, but There's it's an article like, uh, about that recently where they were describing like the dangers of neck bridging. And yeah. all those, you know, it yeah, does it strengthen your neck. Well, but, wrestling, yeah. they do a lot of shit that's not great for you. Yeah. I don't think, right? Like, it's kind of part of the par for the course, right? With collegiate style wrestling. Do you ever fuck with that iron neck? I like it. Yeah. Love that thing. I like it. Well, I, I used it before. Um, there. I it, love that I thing. I used it before some deadlifts the other day, and I felt, I felt stronger, legitimately felt stronger. Oh, it's phenomenal. I actually used it and didn't know that I had an issue with my neck until I used it. And then after I used it, I'm, wait a second, I can turn my head yeah, all the man. way now. So oh, I think it's great. Well, one of the things about it is the range of motion that it gives you. 
And for grapplers, I think it is mandatory. I think it would, it's a mandatory thing. For, I fucked my neck up for a bunch of reasons. One, from being an idiot and not tapping. Two, from getting injured and <laughs> still training. But three, because one of my biggest moves is the arm triangle. So in the arm triangle, when you gra- get a head and arm choke, when I got the ar- guy's arm trapped here, I'm using my neck. Mm. So I'm constantly like pinning things down with my neck. And you know, you're rolling for a fucking hour a night or whatever it is, it's a lot of pressure you're putting on your neck and then defending things with your neck and everything gets inflamed and everything's injured and you get these little micro injuries that never really heal because you're back training again. Yeah. That iron neck thing works great though. I think uh, we both looked at it kind of skeptical when we first saw it and then the guy did a demo for us and we both used it and thought it was really cool. Yeah, you I put on this weird helmet. It, yeah. it looks it's weird. In, in the beginning, you're like, what yeah. is this thing? You know, And then it works great. But I mean, even one of those harnesses with a weight just anything mm-hmm. where you're, you know, just constantly conditioning your neck. I mean, your neck needs workout. It really does. Your That's neck- when you know you're serious about trainings when you have a fucking neck harness. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah, always had one. Back in the day. I'm a big believer in working out your neck. You know, and Jean-Jacques Machado, my jiu-jitsu instructor, has a very famous quote. He says, never trust your neck. Mm. Yeah. Never trust your neck. You know, like if you think that, you know, if someone's choking you, it's like, don't just think that your neck is strong enough to handle it. Fuck that. Protect your neck. Yeah, Kurt Angle looks like he's got over a 20-inch neck or something. I mean, yeah, it's, it's huge. Crazy. It looks like he's pushing his head off his fucking shoulders. It's, yeah, it's like two of my thighs <laughs> holding his fucking head up. But, I mean, it's probably just to support his neck with all the injuries that the guy's had. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's got fused discs or something going yeah. on up there, right? Does he? Yeah, he got he had surgery a couple times. He, he actually, so. um, you know, he was addicted to drugs. Now he's doing a big thing um, on sobriety, and uh, he w- he was um, heavily addicted to like opioids for a long time. And he actually oh, those got guys um, are. he actually went to the point where um, I believe it was a situation where it was either the drugs or he gets fired, and he you know basically got fired from WWE or released or his con you know whatever whatever happened, but. Um, sort of went down a really bad road and it's it's just good to see him back and be yeah. health, and back being like as you know as healthy as he can be at this point because uh he went through a really rough time you know i loved your documentary prescription thugs and, oh, and thank I, you. i've shown it and recommended it to so many people i just think we live in a, a crazy time you're you're hearing all the time someone's cousin my brother this guy my mom people get injured they get on pills and then they wind up dying or they mm. go down that road and they become addicts yeah and it's it is a fucking not so silent but epidemic in this country and a lot of people feel completely helpless because they're getting prescribed these things by their doctor so they think they should take them and then you know you watch your friend drift away i mean it happened to one of my family members i watched my family member go from being an, a normal guy to being a total fucking loser and it's just because he hurt his back and he got hooked on pills and the next thing he can't keep a job and he's always on the pills and he never did shit when i knew him i grew up with this kid he was totally normal and now he's all fucked up and it's just it's, it, he's still messed up yeah he's still fucked up he doesn't he doesn't want to get sober is that the thing <sighs> i can't i can't i don't know what to do you know yeah. you, you can't you can't hold someone's hand you can't you can't I mean, he lives in Boston. I can't fly to Boston and fucking hold his hand. Yeah, sure. You know, no, we have we have a cousin who's an alcoholic, and um, and he's in his thirties. You know, he needs a liver transplant, and oh. and he and he still goes and drinks in his fucking thirties. Yeah, and God um, damn, you know, and it's just a shame because we love him. He's our cousin, but there's yeah. nothing that we can do to help him. I've tried to help him so many times, even offering offering him to bring him out here and to go to rehab for free. 
um, because of the people I know, and um, he didn't take me up on it. And I, that kind of thing is crazy. Yeah, we lost our uncle. We lost our brother, too, from this yeah. kind of thing, and it's, it's brutal, man. It, it is it, brutal. It, it uh, runs rampant. It, it does, and it's so easy to, for people to get lost. I mean, Schaub, Schaub broke his nose in the Krokop fight. Krokop mm. smashed his mm. nose with an elbow, and he had to get his nose reconstructed. And when he got his nose reconstructed, they put him on pills. Next thing you know, he's taking those pills all day long. And it's four months later, and his buddies grabbed him, and they went to his house, and they, they, they opened up his medicine cabinet, they threw everything away, and they go, this is it. It's over. You're not doing this anymore, man. You're fuck-. And he's like, you're right, you're right. And he went cold turkey. Yeah, and thought, luckily Brendan is a strong guy mentally, and and he got off of it, and that was it. And he likes to talk about it yeah. because it's it's an important thing. Because it's, he goes, I would have never thought that I would get addicted to drugs. It's such a sickness. I remember the last the last time I did Percocet uh, was at a UCLA USC game, and I took a bunch of them because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be sitting through this game the whole time. I'll take the whole bottle. I took thirty of them with oh. me to this game. Thirty. 30 pills with me, with me to this game. This is even gets even better. I sit down in my seat and right behind me is the doctor who runs the who owns the clinic where I got my surgery done. And meanwhile, I'm high, like super high talking to this doctor the whole time on the pills that he prescribed to me. You know, I did 30 pills during that game. You know, I, that's crazy. Did the doctor know that you were pilled up? I mean, he would have had to know. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, wow. it's kind of like. It was we- it so was a weird crazy. situation, but um, you know, getting getting off those uh, pills was was necessary. It would have it would have ended my life for sure. Now, if you had gotten a surgery tomorrow, like say, what if your your hip fucked up and they mm-hmm. had to go back and redo it? Would you take the pain pills? I would do. I would take the painkillers as long as I was in the hospital, like whatever whatever I'm supervised. Wouldn't you be scared though that you would no jump right back in you think Not that's really. over i don't think it works that way you know like i i don't i don't think it'd be you know a trigger right. um but I, w- I wouldn't take them at home i'd use kratom or something else right. you know to, uh and, and who knows i don't know how good kratom would work after a surgery you know? right 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 who knows? right we don't but know how it works kratom like did help you right helps me phenomenally every single day yeah my friend cam's on that stuff too he was uh he had a real problem with uh ibuprofen for a while mm. and then dr Rhonda patrick did a podcast with me where she was talking about the dangers of ibuprofen and all the different r- real severe side effects yeah, that people have it from ruins it. your gut microbiome mm-hmm. it ruins your uh, libido and your um your sperm count too well this is the the gut microbiome is really fascinating because it causes inflammation and he was dealing with inflammation issues so he'd wake <laughs> up his hips would hurt his feet would hurt his knees would hurt so he'd take 800 milligrams of uh, ibuprofen he would do it several times a day that's what i was doing but it was a cycle so that was what was causing the inflammation because it was fucking up his gut microbiome so he gets off of it and then and then he calls me and he's like you can't fucking believe this man he goes i'm off of it and all my pain's gone mm. He kept running because he's an animal. He yeah, runs every yeah, day. Yeah. So he, he said it's, it's the pain's gone. He's like the pain was being caused by the inflammation that was caused by ibuprofen. Like holy fucking shit. Yeah. And he just thanked me. He's like if it wasn't for Rhonda Patrick, I, you know, who not? I mean, people get strokes. They have all sorts of fucking yeah. – you're not supposed to take that. I mean, it's fine if you take it. I go, I have a headache. Take a little ibuprofen. You'll be fine. It's not going to kill you. But if you take that shit 800 milligrams a day for a couple of years, who the fuck knows what's going to do to you? Your body's not designed for non-steroidal anti-inflammatories on a daily basis on very high doses over and over and, and over and over and over. And they say if you combine you know, the Advil, the ibuprofen, and the acetaminophen, that it works even better. So that's what I was doing. I would take about eight Advil a day and eight Tylenol a day. So I'm killing not only my liver but my kidneys also. And you know, I've known a lot of people that have had transplants because of that. Whoa. Um, 
have a kidney transplant because they're taking too much ibuprofen. Now, um, your documentary, A Leaf of Faith, you're still doing that? We finished it, yeah. It comes out on uh, May 29th. And that's through, all about Kratom. Yeah, it's all about Kratom. It's sort of a, uh, it's really about my experience with Kratom. It's about my journey. You know, like, hey, I was this guy who lifted weights and did all these things and yeah. got hurt. And this is what happened to me. And I, I just, I sort of tell the story. And then as I tell the story, I go out and discover, you know, is Kratom good or bad for you? And we talked right. to, we talked to both sides of the issue. We talked to the Congress people that are trying to ban it. We talked to the ones that are trying to save it. And, well, they're calling it an opiate now. Yeah, they call They definitely call I mean, it. There was a real recent, there the, was a recent redefinition of the it, show right? that you and I did. Um, and in the movie, you'll see it. It's very pivotal. Like what, what you do is awesome with this podcast, by the way, but what we, what we were able to do from that show is like, basically you kept Kratom legal, uh, without even knowing it. So we did the podcast and then after the podcast, at the end of the podcast, you said, Hey, if anybody wants to help, where can they go? And I said, they go on this website and they leave comments for the DEA. Well, 23,000 people, or maybe 24,000 people, I can't remember, left comments after your podcast. Yeah, that's amazing. The, the DEA said, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 wait a second. We can't make this illegal. There's people go crazy. But what did they do recently? They, they definitely they, reclassified. It's they, not totally illegal. That was the FDA, not the DEA. Okay. So the FDA came out. And, why? Um, because, okay, so here's why. Re- Look at this. Realistically, FDA why? calls Kratom an opioid. <laughs> And warns against using the supplement. I'll tell you why. It's because they're cunts. Uh, right? not, no, yeah. no, no, not at all. Like the, the FDA is <laughs> the FDA is doing the right thing here. What? Yep. How dare you? Uh, I'll Who tell are you, you. What have you done with Chris I'll, Bell? I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are marketing kratom the wrong way. They're packaging it the wrong way, and they are not testing it. And when they're not testing it, you have things like a salmonella outbreak. I heard about that. That hurt. You know, put 28 people or something in a hospital. Some, I forget how many people, but there was a salmonella outbreak, and that's because a company uh, buys kratom from overseas, from like Indonesia. They get it shipped here, and they don't test it for contaminants. You know, so the the company that I did the film with, uh, a company called Urban Ice, they test all the products for contaminants three times during the process. You know, you own a supplement company. Mm-hmm. You know how it works. You, you have know. to test your shit. Else. Independently. It's very yeah. important. Yeah, Third yeah. party independent testing. And that's what people aren't doing. Right. And so they're trying to make – so they make it cheaper, you know, and then the companies that are doing it. That screws them because now they got to try to make their product cheaper to keep up with other people. But they're paying for the testing each time. Well, the supplement business is almost on the honor system. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. really, it's really crazy. Uh-huh. You know, like, uh, my friend Aubrey, who I'm partners with in Onnit, had, uh, he was explaining to me how those big dick pills work. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you buy them at the gas station, the hard-on pills. He's like, those pills, most of them have Cialis or Viagra in them. Yeah. And so they get busted. Somebody busts them, and then once they bust them, they go, oh, sorry. They change the name of the company. They sell it again, and then they get busted again, and they just keep doing this. There's a little shuffle. We're in the same thing with the Kratom industry, basically. So what else is in Kratom? Like, if you buy Kratom somewhere, what could it possibly be other than Kratom? Uh, well, uh, so does that, there's, does there's, that happen sometimes? Yeah, and there's different – yeah, it actually happened in Sweden to the point where people died. So in Sweden, uh, they put fentanyl in oh, with Kratom. Jesus Christ. And nine, nine people died. Fuck. And I don't want to scare people off of uh, of taking it because I use it every day. And well, think what's it's great. the company that you use? Because that was the guy that it's, you brought on the yeah, podcast. Urban Ice Organics, that company. Urban Ice Organics, yeah. yeah. And, and that so, stuff I've used and it's great. Yeah, that, their website's Natural Organics with an X on the end. dot com. What's interesting to me too is that in low doses, it's actually kind of a stimulant, almost like a cup of coffee. Yeah. But in high doses, it's more relaxing. Yeah. 
Yeah, do, I, do you take it? I take it occasionally. Yeah, yeah we have some in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we sent you some. And yeah, I, yeah, and you, you did. Yeah, and I thought uh, because you know the thing is that um, not everybody is in pain. But a lot of people feel stress. Stress is a big deal, you know, and um, Kratom really helps people with anxiety, PTSD. If someone has anxiety, like how many pills do they take for anxiety? I I take two at a time. I I think that's the problem we're getting into. I can't really tell people that stuff because that's like illegal according to the FDA. Now I can because I'm a filmmaker, right? Right. Um, So I would say take two. (laughs) But uh, for the most part, like a company can't tell you that. Like, uh, you know, you as the owner of Onnit can't say take this many pills and this will like take this much alpha brain and it'll do this for your brain because you you say the wrong thing and the FDA is all over your ass, right? Right. So that's that's an issue. like the way that the way that kratom needs to be marketed is like basically the way that supplements are supposed to be marketed is you know that you're taking it for a specific response right. but the FDA doesn't let you tell people that which is just really screwed up too cuz i think that that's a problem it's like an right. issue you know like you should be able to say what it does the problem is people make way too many health claims so with kratom they make the health claim that it uh, will you know, cure opioid addiction. And that's a huge claim to make. And um, it's a ridiculous claim to make. It can help somebody get over an op- opioid addiction. But to say it cures an opioid addiction or to say that it uh, even, even will cure your pain or help your pain, uh, those are bigger claims than supplements are allowed to make. And that's yeah. the issue with people coming down on it. But, that is the thing, like what helps you over an addiction? There's so many factors. First yeah. of all, there's genetics. Some people have a genetic propensity for addiction. It's just a fact. It runs in their family. And I don't know if that's nature or nurture, but because I don't have it in my family, but some people do. Mm. I know people, they, they, they drink one drink and they get fucking gerbilized and they're off to the races. Yeah, there they're was gone. A, they disappear. You know people like that, right? Yeah, and there was a big difference. My dad says there was a big difference between our brother Mike and and me and the way that we did it. So I sort of fell into it, but Mike was kind of always that way. You fell into it because of surgery, because of surgery, right? Yeah, and, and constant pain because of you have Mike fell into it because he was an, uh, osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis. Okay. Our brother Mad Dog he fell into it because he was an animal. Right. You know, he just he was always that Partying guy. And fucking, yeah, he was. Yeah. You yeah. know the guy who's yeah, like the, sure. you know the. The king of the school, the head of everything, that was Mad yeah. Dog. He was always, you know, always in charge, always had the most friends, was super popular, you know. But there was something, some void inside, something missing that would turn him to drugs and alcohol. Man, it's, it's like it, when you know someone that has that, it is a, such a helpless feeling because there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. I, I first experienced it when I was in high school. Um, my dad was an architect, and uh, I got a lot of gigs uh, over the summer. Uh, working on construction sites and so I would hang out with a lot of these guys that were carpenters and laborers and um, this one guy that I worked with is a great guy but he couldn't fucking lay off the coke yeah he sure. couldn't he would get clean he's like this is it I'm getting my band together I'd be like that's awesome man good for yeah. you and then he'd come in hung over fucked up like mm-hmm. just looked like he had the flu and it's it was just, dark yeah it's dark and he couldn't, dark, couldn't stop he keep going back to it I used to go in my bathroom in the morning hung over Every day, look in the mirror and go, who the fuck are you? Right. Like, what is that fat, gross, wrinkly old dude doing in the mirror? Like, what happened to you? Your your movie was 96% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> about about steroids and, and health and, and trying to figure out if this is good or bad for you. And now you are just a fucked up drug addict. And yeah. I would just cry. And I had nothing, like nowhere to turn. I felt like I couldn't tell my parents because they just experienced it. I felt like I couldn't tell my brother because he's into fitness and training, and he's going to be like, "Come on, dude, snap out of it!" You know, Come that's on, pussy. It's what I it's what I thought, but what I thought 
didn't happen. As soon as Mark found out about it, he said, come here, give me a big hug and say, we're going to help you. You know, and, and I think that's most people's fear is that it's going to be really bad, yeah. but I should tell everybody it's going to be really, really good when you come out that other side. My wife was a big part of it, and the advice I, I always give and we try to always give is just don't give up on people. You, you can't right. – you, you don't want to overextend yourself because you are going to get fucked over by people that are addicts. You will get screwed over. Um, but – you just tell them, hey, whenever you're ready, I'm here to help. Whatever way I can help. If I can help financially, if I can help, uh, you know, whatever way I can help, I'm here to help. Just let them know. And in that way, you can always at least feel good that you you at least did uh, some of your part there. And with him, my wife was like, we got to get him the hell out of Los Angeles. We live in Sacramento. She's like, we got to get him up here. So we flew him up. Just so we, you can keep an eye on him. Not that Sacramento's not without its temptations. A hundred percent. Just, yeah. just uh, not be on his own was right, the main thing. Right. He doesn't have any family down here and stuff. And so we did that and took him under his uh, under our wing and um, you know got him lifting and the diet. I think everything. Yeah. I think everything helped get him to where he is now I, i'm so proud of him it's unbelievable it sounds kind of dorky you know in some way because he's my bro and no, we're supposed great. to we're supposed to talk shit about each other all the time you know <laughs> but i am really proud of him and he's been an idol of mine since you know since i was a little kid he's the reason why i lift he's the reason why i lift so hard and he'll get motivated by me and he'll say dude i saw you doing that crazy shit he's like i'm gonna go in and deadlift but it's really him that's motivating me he's the driver of a lot of this well um you you really do look a lot healthier than thank when you. i first well, met it looks it's really cool. Awesome. Thank it's you really both. Cool. I'm getting showered in praise over here. When I, I saw you to today, I was like, you look good, man. Uh, you thank look you, like, man. I really appreciate it. You know it. someone, you see them and they just look vibrant. You know, yeah. they look like, you know, you could tell when someone's healthy. Yeah. So awesome. when he first started getting sober, it was hard. You know, he, he was losing weight. He was doing everything, you know, he was doing everything good, but he still was getting sick all the time and he looked sickly, you know, and I was yeah. like, man, is he, is he telling me the truth? Is he really doing okay? And it, it took time. It took a long time. The best thing for me is uh, being able to give back and um, being able to come on this podcast. And I know after this podcast, I'm going hit, to get hit up on social media a million times and it'd be like, bro, I'm dying. I'm, I'm yeah. sick. I'm drunk right now. Right, right. I'm crying. And I'll, you know, get on, be like, call me. You know what I mean? And I'll call these people. That's awesome. I, I literally call them and they say, I can't even believe I'm talking to you. And I'm like, I'm just a normal dude, you know? Yeah, it's and, the trick of the microphone, right? Yeah. And so, and so what's really beautiful is being able to help these people and then, you know, forgetting about these people because there's so many of them there's right. hundreds of emails and texts and things that pour so you you uh you help them and then you move on to the next guy but then three or four months later you get this you know thank you letter you know that that says yeah. like hey i completely turned my life around i'm completely fine now you know and i'm sure some of them still go the other way and you can't save everybody and you, you can't help everybody but you sure can try you know well you definitely make an impact and podcasts like this always make an impact there's people out there that are listening right now and they might be in their car they might be mm. sitting at home just trying to figure out what the fuck to do with their life sometimes all people need is that little extra juice that little extra motivation that they get from hearing somebody like yourself that's gone through it yeah. and came out on the other side healthy and like fuck if he was crying looking in the mirror and feeling mm -hmm. like shit and he was addicted to drugs mm -hmm. and 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 he came from a healthy background and he came from a background where he's making a documentary about health when it got really bad um i you know when you, when you start drinking in the morning it's really bad yeah and uh alcohol became the worst part of it worse than worse than even you know the pills and i just remember crazy? uh <clears throat> they start selling alcohol in la at 6 a.m and I remember I used to live right across from Gold's Gym in Venice, and I'd get up and I'd walk across the street at like, you know, 545 uh, because my car was parked. I had to park across the street right by the gym, 
I'd walk across the street over by the gym, and I'd see my friends going into the gym for a workout, and they'd be like, hey, Chris, what's going on? You know, I'd be waving them. I'd be going to the liquor store. Wow. And that's when I knew it was, like, really bad and things needed to change. So, you know, I, I really do think that, like you said, um, it takes somebody just, like, that little thing. So if there's people out there that are listening to this, just uh, hit me up or hit up somebody and tell them that you're hurting because people will help you. You need other people. You're not yeah. going to do it on your own. Uh, everybody needs other people, period. That's, this idea of the lone wolf is total horseshit. <laughs> I need to help other people yeah. in order for me to be fulfilled. For sure. You yeah, know, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all together in this thing. Yeah. When having him at, at my house, you know, really helped me a lot too. Just, just knowing that he was safe and knowing he was doing the right, right thing. I'm married. I got two kids. I don't fuck around. I train. I fucking eat, try to eat healthy. I try to do the best I can each and every day. And having him with me made me more accountable, made me more, you know, more full bore about everything. So it worked out good for both of us. Did you ever investigate Ibogaine? Yeah. I looked into it. I talked to the top. I knew. I do know the top uh, researcher on ibogaine, uh, Doctor Deborah Mash. Explain what that stuff is and what it can do. Ibogaine is a substance that you get it from Africa. It's found in Africa, and basically you can you drink it. Uh, I think they make up some sort of potion or whatever, and you drink it, and then uh, it literally will turn a twenty year heroin addict around in about a day about 36 hours they say and they, they go through some ritual i'm not sure if the ritual does anything uh the doctor didn't even really know if the ritual do, did anything but it's part of the uh placebo i guess but it it seems to really work it, it's a schedule one drug here in america you can't get it here uh it's it's actually fairly safe compared to a lot of other things so there's been some deaths on it but like maybe 15 all time or something like not not super high and it definitely needs to be medically supervised but i don't think it should be illegal at all i think it should be i think ibogaine and kratom are the answers to the opioid epidemic well ibogaine has an incredibly uh high rate of success in terms mm. of like people taking ibogaine and getting off pills i think ibogaine is incredible my I think friend ed clay uh opened up a clinic he went down. He had an issue with pills as well, and, I, and, and I'm pretty sure. I don't want to speak out of school, but I'm pretty sure his came also from an injury, and then he got uh, had a pill problem, and then was trying to figure out what the fuck to do with it, and went down to uh, Mexico, went to an ibogaine clinic, and then said, "Wow, this is." I mean, it fixed him up totally, and then uh, opened up his own clinic. Yeah. Awesome. One thing I didn't understand is I interviewed this doctor, Deborah Mash. And it's probably because she's in Florida. She's tied in with politicians, which mm -hmm. is always a problem. Right. And so she's 100% for Ibogaine, but she's also against Kratom, <laughs> which makes no sense because she thinks that, uh, you know, Kratom is, uh, you know, p because Ibogaine, you have to go get it medically supervised and medically right. done. And she just thinks like giving people Kratom is, uh, you know, loosey goosey kind of stuff. <sighs> Man, I'm 100% for clinics opening up and then giving the money to the doctors and give the money to the state. Just if you can get Ibogaine to the hands of a lot of these people, it's so ruthlessly introspective. Not from my personal experience, but Aub Aubrey's taken it. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. several people, Ed has taken it. I know several people that have taken it and it's completely turned their life around where they had this intense 24-hour experience where you just examine every single aspect of your life in this really alien way and then after it's over you're like i'm never fucking drinking again or i'm never taking pills yeah. again and they they really do change their life and it's also not just an introspective experience but it also rewires the way your brain handles the addiction 
I'm not qualified to speak how because I don't really understand it. I don't. I don't know if anybody understands it actually. Like, but it's exactly how it works. Aubrey could explain it. Yeah. Aubrey can explain like the mechanism. This because yeah, sure. there's some sort of a shift. Mm. See if we can find that. How does ibogaine cure addiction? See if we can find that. But it's incredibly effective. I mean, yeah, like, I one of the highest rates of of uh, success. Another super high rate of success that we might be getting in California. Uh, it's on the ballot in 2018, is legalizing psilocybin. If they can legalize psilocybin, that can fix a lot of fucking people, too. And that's also something that you don't die from. You know, nobody's overdosing on psilocybin. The LD50 rate is something like 1,500 and, and what pounds. And what does that do? What is, it, what is the... Uh, Magic mushrooms. The, yeah, and, and that's for um, mental health, right? For mental... Well, Johns Hopkins University did um, some studies on it, and one of the things they found is soldiers with PTSD... This is one thing that MAPS is concentrating on now, especially with soldiers with PTSD, and anybody with PTSD, rape victims, uh, uh, violent assault mm. victims. You know, some people have some real hard times yeah. getting past past events. And um, psilocybin has incredible effects on that, but MDMA also does. And right now, MAPS is involved in some pretty heavy clinical trials with MDMA. And um, they think 2021 is around the time where they're going to have MDMA clinics and it'll be legal because we have so many soldiers that are coming back from war and they're all fucked up and they have no solutions. They put these people on pills and antidepressants and all these different things, anti-anxiety medication. Psilocybin and MDMA have shown to have massive, powerful, beneficial effects. That's something that I really want to do. I want to do the MDMA treatment. I think that um, what a lot of people don't understand is when you have an addiction, there's like these there's deep-seated things in your in your mind and your subconscious that drive you to go to the pills or go to the drinks or whatever and it doesn't just go away when you get sober you sort of work a lot of it out right uh, but some of the subconscious stuff you can't work out so I'm like man there's there's still things habits I don't like about myself there's still things I want to fix and well, I let me connect you to Aubrey because I would he's, love he's, to, yeah. he's really tight with those guys that are in the middle of those studies right now and he's yeah. actually gone through that protocol and yeah, he's, he's I, helped I know other Aubrey people. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. Should, I'll Do you have his number? Yeah, yeah, I have okay. his number. Yeah, we'll hit yeah. him up. Yeah. Contact him and talk to him about it because he's he's deep in this stuff. You know, Aubrey introduced me to him when I went down to your gym, the mm. haunted gym. Yeah, yeah. He's a what I would call a real psychedelic warrior. Yeah, and that he's guy, awesome. he's yeah. in there. He's in there all the time with some crazy shit. <laughs> You know, but there's the real benefits from it. I mean, real legit benefits, and we've been we've been really robbed and. It's it's terrible. I mean, we've been lied to, we've been robbed, and there's a lot of people that use them recreationally, and <laughs> I'm not against that. You know, I mean, I think you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want. If you can drink whiskey recreationally, which I do, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing mushrooms recreationally. And there's some people that think it's terrible, and you should, you know, they're a sacrament. You yeah. should only use them in a ritual, in a shamanic setting. I say you should do that, too, if you want. But I've used them recreationally. I've had a great old fucking time. <laughs> and also came out of it with some insight and some a, a, a different way of looking at myself and looking at my life. Do you know that um, in this country, you have to list euphoria as a side effect to a supplement or a drug, right? That's hilarious. So euphoria is something that we all should have. Like, we should yeah. all be happy, right? So they're listed as a side effect as if it's a bad thing. They yep. experience euphoria. Oh, shit. I oh, better no, not take that, right? Super fucking happy. But don't you think <laughs> the things that induce euphoria, we should be we should be handing those out like crazy? Yeah, it's People weird, People are too right? angry. You think these pills are maybe like rehab pills kind of in a way? Like almost like treatment pills because they help you... You know, look from the inside out almost? Well, for sure, with MDMA, which you get in pill form, it's actually made from the bark of a tree from... Didn't we go over this the other day? Where the fuck's it from? Malaysia or some <laughs> shit? 
something like that. There's a tree, and that <clears throat> there's a real issue now uh, in this country where this bark is because you know there's fucking wars going on to try to get this tree, and it's not a very common tree either. Mm. It's like. I mean, it's rare, and we, we're, we could be in a situation where they chop down all the fucking trees that make ecstasy before we make it legal. They, they did it with kratom in Thailand. So yeah. Thailand made kratom illegal because it was cutting into the heroin ep- the, the heroin trade. Back oh, in, God. This is back in 1947. They made it illegal and cut down almost all the kratom trees. And if you see the documentary that um, uh, the guy did on Vice, Morris, Hamilton Morris. Hamilton Morris. Yeah, he did a um, pharmacopoeia yeah. uh, show on Kratom, and he goes to Thailand to find, like, the only remaining Kratom tree. Oh. And he, like, you know, he finds it and, wow. you know, he drinks the real Kratom and all stuff like that. It was really kind of fascinating that they that they did that. So now it all comes from, like, you know, Malaysia, Indonesia, whatever. Area. It is crazy that they tried to stop the one thing that's safe because it was cutting into the fucking opium market. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I like yeah. Kratom, too. I use it before I work out a lot of times. Do and, you really? Yeah, and even just for creativity, just like if I want to just sit down and write or think of uh, new products or whatever it might be. Really? I'll Kratom one, helps two. you in that way. How, I, how so? I, I like it a lot. Um, I don't know exactly what it does. I don't know what the mechanism is behind it, but it does give me a sense of euphoria. It does make me happier. One thing I've always noticed about training is that when you feel good um, – you can lift so much better, and it just makes you makes you feel really good right. because, you know, you're trying you're trying to lift with some force, just like you hitting these bags and stuff. You're trying to put something into it, and if you can't put the mustard on it that you want to because your shoulder hurts, it fucking makes you grumpy. Right. But this stuff really matters to us. So for me, for for lifting wise, it's like I feel like I can go all in. I was actually just saying the other day when I'm sitting down, and I go to get up, especially after some of these like squat workouts and stuff, it's kind of slow. It takes right. me it takes me a minute, but on kratom, boom! I feel like I can get up and and you run out the right door. Yeah. It feels like almost I would I would consider it similar to like getting out of a hot tub. The way huh. that you feel going into the hot tub, you're like, man, my shit's just kind of I don't even know. Everything's just stiff, right? Can't get up and down the stairs so good. I got to do the sideways uh, trot down the stairs every morning, <laughs> and I get in the hot tub and I can zing up the stairs naked. You know what's if you fucked up, that. man? Sometimes I have pain in my hip when I don't run hills. It doesn't make don't. any sense, man. And I've talked to doctors, and they don't understand it. I say, look, when I run hills every day, or uh, not every day, every week, mm. I run like two, three times a week. Right. I got zero pain in that hip. Could just be getting a lot of blood in that in the hip flexor. I think running hills and running uh, running in sand, I think, is really really valuable. Even pushing sleds and stuff mm-hmm. because it slows us down. Right. Not that running is running can be great. Sprints can be great, but regular sprints for some of us who are over forty. Uh, is, yeah. <laughs> and you haven't sprinted in a long time, probably not a great idea. But to run up a hill or to sprint up a hill, it makes you go slower because the intensity is higher. And this doesn't seem – its well, I, I think that's it, but it's also I'm putting all this extra muscle around my hip and yeah. my ass. Like there's something about that. It looks great. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's plump, right? <laughs> but it's something about running up hills that like, dude, did I take a couple weeks off? Like I was sick for a week. And then the week before that, I was doing a lot of other different shit. And I didn't. And it starts to like get at me. Your uh, reverse hyper doesn't help with that? With that? With my hip? Or is it, no. is it in the hip? It's, it's like, is hip. it in the front of the hip? The side. The side. It's the He's side. He's got to get in on that. You got to get in on that hip circle. Hip circle. 
What's I'll that? show you afterwards. Oh, a band? Yeah, the hip yeah. circle band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are great. It'll help yeah. you a lot. Yeah, help yeah. build up that side ass, I like to call it. Is that what it is? Side <laughs> ass? But I'm telling you, man, there's nothing like running up hills. And the, the hills that I run, it's all rocky terrain. So I'm jumping from one rock to the yeah. next, and it's steep like that. Mm. So I'm running up, and I'm, you know, I have to take a couple of breaks to get to the top. It's a half a mile up and oh. a half a mile in. I have two different courses that I run. Um, well, I have several, but the, the ones that I run the most, the full length of it, I could I could run as long as four miles, or I could do I could break it up into one or two. Mm. Most of the time, I do two. How long are your runs? Two hour, uh, two uh, miles takes me about forty minutes because uh, good, yeah. the hills. It's yeah. not it's not two hours. I mean, it's not forty minutes. I could run, you know, I'd probably do it in fifteen, sixteen if I was running flat. You yeah, know, it wouldn't be that hard. But it's hills. Mm. Um, it's not really. I mean, I would call it running. But it's more like hill sprints. I'm yeah, just doing yeah. these ruthless hill sprints. And I'd read that a long time ago that a lot of football players prefer hill sprints. And then I saw that um, um, Greg Jackson and uh, Mike Winklejohn, when they train their fighters in Albuquerque, they have them run this crazy mountain. And they're running, yeah. running straight up the hill. And that this was like a big thing that they did to, to really build yeah. up endurance. Yeah, Walter Payton, Jerry yes, Rice, Payton's Roger Craig. Yeah, the list goes yeah, on yeah. and on. Damian Tomlinson. Yeah. Uh, Walter Payton used to run hills till he throw up. Yeah. <laughs> he would yeah. run hills till he threw up. I think running hills is great, especially for bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Guys that are 250, 260, 270 have joint problems. Right. It's going to be really hard to get out there and run. Yeah, because you're not, it's not a pounding. You're yeah. not dropping the weight down. Instead, you're like, you're almost doing like lunges, like over and over and over again. Right. And you could walk back down the hill. You know, mm-hmm. take your time. You can yeah. walk back down the hill. There's evidence that shows if you, you know, do five to eight sprints and you have long period, you can have as much rest as you want in between. Mm-hmm. You'll still get great results for fat burning. So yeah. it doesn't take very long to do a, a workout like that. It changes your cardio, too. I mean, yeah. it really does. I mean, I makes... force him to do shit like that with me sometimes. Do you? But, but, <laughs> but can you – you can't run, though, right, with your bad hips? Not really run, but um, pushing, a sled, pushing a sled is really hard. Oh, okay. We, uh, he has a thing called the tank, which is a kind of an amazing uh, sled with wheels oh. that you push and you put weights on it. So we push the tank. We do all sorts of stuff like that that um, are different. Like I can go on a rowing machine as fast as possible. I can mm. go on a um, – the uh, what do you call it? Airdyne, the, uh, Airdyne bike, yeah. you know, Ooh. as fast as possible. Did you see that one I got out there? The Sick. the uh, Echo bike from yeah. Rogue. No, Holy I haven't tried sh- it. It's a fucking tank. It's like an Airdyne on steroids. It's got these big ass steel Shit. fucking handles. Yeah, I and saw it. It looks nice. It's so good. It's so good. But that I think thing's ruthless too. Something as simple as that. And and those bikes say you can get them as cheap as like five hundred bucks. Yeah, that thing will change your life. Just change doing like life. Mark said, five to eight sprints on it a day. Yeah, completely. When know, he comes up and trains with me, when he comes up and trains with me, a lot of times you know he'll say, oh, I can't do that. I try to you know have everybody in these kind of big circuits that we do, and we we train our asses off, and probably sometimes overdo it. But when he joins us, a lot of times he'll say, I can't do this or I can't do that. I'm like, well, you don't really know unless you tried, and I. I'm sympathetic towards the fake hips. I don't have them, so I don't know exactly what it's like. But I'm like, just try it or try a different variation of it. And he he kind of won't, and then he'll kind of drift off. And the next minute, I'll see him. I'll see him either trying it or trying or doing some other version of it. And I'm like, all right, good, it's working because he's at least doing something, right. right? Do you fuck with the verse climber? Yeah, we do that a little oh, bit. 
that sometimes. Thing's, that thing's ruthless. Brutal. Yeah, we that, just that do, thing um, makes you hate your life. We do yeah. a circuit with that, and I have a, a bike that's on steroids too. <laughs> uh, so from Australia, I forget what the name yeah, of that the damn thing is. Yeah, the cross trainer too. Oh, yeah, we have the uh, ski uh, erg thing. Oh, those things are ruthless. Yeah, we use that and the rower. Ugh. And we do a circuit of all, like, all three or four of those exercises, yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, and we like started adding, like in, adding in a lot more things like that and cardio and stuff like that because uh, I'm 45. He's, how old are you, 41? 41, like that. yeah. So as we get older, you start looking into things where uh, you want to be healthy. You know, yeah. you want to do it for your health. So. Um, thinking about those things, uh, we definitely, uh, I don't care about power lifting anymore. I don't care about my numbers. I want to lift heavy weights consistently, but I don't care what the single rep max is anymore. It doesn't matter, you know? Right. Um, when you talk about your diet and its impact on inflammation, do you ever think that if you got on this diet when you were younger, you wouldn't have had to get hip replacements? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think, think if I did it you? when I was younger, um, well, I don't know. You know, it's about, uh, it really is about, a decline in um, in tissue, you know, a decline in cartilage tissue, like where it was there when I was young, and then it started disappearing, and then by the time I was 28 years old, it was completely gone. And this is because of inflammation and because of arthritis? There's and- really no reason for it. You know, my doctor said that lifting didn't cause it. It might have sped it up, the, right. the fact that I needed to get the double hip replacement surgery but he said like this isn't something that you know lifting a weight causes like right. it's a natural process in your body where your your body's breaking down you know whatever so i don't i don't know a good test will be um five years from now how i feel you right. know because i have other joints in my body a lot of them but that was, so, i was just going to ask you like how are your shoulders how are your well, elbows how- i i screwed up my shoulder i tore my rotator cuff and i tore my tricep a while back and they never really heal healed properly so that that's an issue um but the rest my other joints that aren't aren't injured are all fine and feel good now you know so what about your knees well my knees were when i got my hip surgery 10 years ago uh the doctor said to me your knees are next and they need to be done probably like in a year you know? oh god <laughs> So he told me that when, 10 years that, ago. That doctor's got a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> and thinking about um, making payments on that condo in the Alps. Yeah. Ooh. And uh, I don't know. I haven't had. And then um, let's see. I'm trying to think of when this was. I think like around when I finished Prescription Thug. So maybe like two years ago, uh, I, was, I went to a doctor and I was just in so much pain. And I said, look, I can't get back on opioids. I was, that was my problem. But I, I need something. And what was the pain and in? Everywhere. Every joint in my lower body, from my like my ankles, my knees, my hips, and the guy basically just said, "You need to go get a full body MRI." So I get a full body MRI, and he tells me that there's really nothing wrong with me, and I'm like, "I don't know what you're looking at, but I can't walk in the morning." And he's like, "Ah, well, you don't you don't really have you know like you're you don't really have cartilage in your knees that's going away, but like you know you do have it in your ankles, and you do have it in, and didn't really offer me any solutions, and that was it was at that point where I realized like if I'm going to do anything a doctor's not going to be the one to help me. You know, so I think a lot of times people are always so concerned, like, did you ask a doctor? And I'm always like, well, doctors never really help me. You know, it's myself always helping me. It's me researching things that cause me pain that, that really helped me, you know? So right. um, that's, that's what I had to do was go out and look for it myself. Wow. So when you were, do you ever go back to that doctor and go, hey, motherfucker, it's 10 years later, I'm still walking, now I don't have any pain? Yeah, I should go back to him and say, hey, you know, like they, you know, they screwed up my hip, and they left, they, they left a bad hip in me for two years, and then I went to the doctor, and I went to my doctor, and I said, doc, this is debilitating. 
And so he takes a, a tissue box and he throws it on the ground. And he says, pick that up. And I pick it up. And he said, you're using the wrong terminology. It's not debilitating, else you wouldn't be able to pick that up. And I thought it was the rudest thing I've ever heard a doctor do or say, like ruthless. Like, really? So I'm using the wrong word, but big deal. I, I, can't, I yeah. can't pick something up off the floor. It hurts. Yeah. And I was trying to tell him, like, you don't understand. This hurts. And he's like, nah, you're not hurt. You're fine. He actually told me to go back to the gym and start lifting. Oh, my God. And then two years later, he calls me back and he says, I know what's wrong with your hip. We screwed it up. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so. Did you ever think about calling one of those <laughs> doctors on late night TV? Yeah. No, nah, you know, that, injury I, don't think, doctors? I don't think that's the way, you know. You don't yeah. think that's the way to get paid? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, but. but <laughs> See, they <laughs> fucked you up, man. Yeah. Just sue the shit out of that asshole, those yeah. tissue box throwing douchebags. <laughs> Fuck them. It's got part insurance. Of, part of what happened to you, too, is like you had pain, right? That was. Uh, that was preventing you from moving more, right? Like, yeah. and then you just kind of stopped. Like, you did some cardio stuff for exercise, but you weren't able to squat, bench, deadlift. You weren't able to get some full range of motion, and therefore, you know, use it or lose it, right? You so lost range of motion. When did the pain go away? Uh, well, I'm still in a lot of pain when I wake up every morning. Are so, you? yeah, it goes away when I. The thing is that the diet has helped clear up like a lot of inflammation. It's also helped clear up a lot of body fat, which helps you get into better, more advantageous positions when you're lifting, you know, that you can't, I couldn't even bend down to deadlift properly. Gut. Yeah. Your gut would get in the way and all that mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, um, get rid of those things. And that helps a lot. Losing weight in general always is going to improve health markers and you're always going to feel lighter and better, you know, for the most part. And then, um, it was that just like losing weight. And then when I, um, started taking Kratom with a ketogenic diet and really reduced my inflammation is when I started feeling better. So it was sort wow. of a combination of those two things and um, continuing to move. It's a daily struggle. It doesn't go away. You know, and this a, is because you're osteo osteoarthritis. Yeah. So when you woke up this morning, like hard to get out of bed? Yeah. You know what? Actually, um, this morning I felt good. So you have good days and bad days. You know? Do you ever fuck with hot yoga? I haven't, but I keep hearing you talk about it, and I keep uh, thinking, like, man, that's just something I have to go do. I, w I was wondering, like, how that would affect your hips. Like, how you're, like, do you have full range of motion? I think I would probably feel great, but I, right now I can't move enough to get in those positions, so I have to take, like, a pre-yoga <laughs> class to no, get into yoga. No, 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 no. You just take a yoga class and you do your best. Like, they always say that, because there's yeah. a lot of people mm -hmm. in my class that have some serious issues that can't move well, or there's this one lady who goes, and she's fucking courageous, man, because this lady's so overweight and she goes to this yoga class and she does her best mm. and you know and I, and I see her and i i want to say something to her but i don't want to say something to her like i don't want to be the guy and go hey you know for a giant lady you you're, you're fucking putting it up there <laughs> yeah. like i don't want to like you know you're right i say hi and i smile at her but she's courageous because yeah. she's every bit of 450 500 pounds mm. man I'm, wow. I'm just guessing she's yeah. enormous but she does it I mean, huh. she tries. She's, she's, you know, she's got her arms up. She's bending forward. She's yeah. doing her best. And if you just keep showing up, it'll get better. Like, you're not going to be able to get into those positions initially, but if you keep showing yeah. up. I think I'm, the hot yoga might help him because uh, when he's warmed up, you yes. move around really well. That's like, what I'm saying. In the workout, you're yeah. like, oh, fuck it. Now I'm going to deadlift once he's warmed up. Yeah. A lot of people don't warm up enough. Right. I, you know, I agree with and, you 100%. And in, a, in a yoga class where it's already warm, that helps a lot. But, you know, people need to understand that the more intense the exercise is that you're going to do, the longer your warm-up needs to be. Yeah. So if you're going for a two-hour walk, 
how much warm up do you need? Probably none. There's no, there's not a lot of intensity behind that. Right. But if you're trying to run a 40 meter sprints, then you better warm up for a half an hour and probably minimum. So you don't tear a hamstring. Same thing with trying to bench heavy or squat heavy. Yeah. Not just the exercise itself either. That's a mistake. I think, I think you have to warm up on with other, with other means. And the easiest way to warm up is through your upper body. So you go in the gym and you can do curls and shoulder stuff. If your shoulder's healthy, uh, that's the fastest way. Ski erg is a great way. It's fast. Fastest, easiest way to warm up your body is through the upper body. A lot of times our, our knees so? and our, what do you mean? Well, because like your knees and your lower back, I mean, just in general, this isn't everybody, but in general, a lot of people, the knees, the lower back, and some of those things are going to take time to warm up, mm-hmm. and you can warm them up faster just by just by getting the upper body to move. Uh, when you utilize your upper body, you get your heart rate up a little bit faster, right? and it's just, it's more comfortable. It's just easier. It's easier for me to say, hey, you know, hold this band, pull it apart do these curls get some uh, sweat going yeah just just move your arms around throw some punches like who can't throw punches right anyone can throw some punches i know a few guys (laughs) i can't throw any good ones (laughs) yeah no you can't throw any good ones yeah but yeah you just you move around that's how you warm yourself up you got to make sure you warm yourself up i like to use the elliptical machine i do 10 minutes on elliptical machine absolutely nothing going on yeah the intensity is so low yeah that's great and there's no impact it's no nothing you do it at your own pace not really Karen, Another weight. thing Mark and I do um, all the time is walk. We walk every single day, and um, we started a thing like a 10-minute – he does has a hashtag 10-minute walk. And uh, after after you eat every time, right? So yeah, you, yeah. You try to do as many 10-minute walks in the day as you can. tell anybody about that hashtag because now they're going to put a picture, bunch of pictures of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag 10-minute walks. It's just going to be all dicks now. Hey, that's okay. He I likes that it. stuff. Yeah, I get a, I get a lot He's of eggplants. Why eggplants? I, I don't know. Hey. Now it's even worse because I said it here, right? <laughs> yeah, Is this like some inside joke about eggplants? Tons of eggplants. Well, the eggplant's a dick, right? Yeah. What kind of dick? dick? For dick. Right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. But I would see that oh, emoji you're and be like, he's got to go Why see walkers. Why is eggplant? <laughs> That's a dick. That's so funny. I'm so, I'm so old. I don't know anything the kids are doing these days. I just found out about Lil B. I don't know shit. <laughs> anyway, people should be going on a 10-minute walk. It's low-hanging fruit. It's easy to do. Yeah. Just, you know, try one a day. Try one. It's not hard. One thing I like to do is bodyweight squats, too. I do those yeah. Hindu squats. I'll do a set of 100, and it just gets everything warmed up, just everything loose. You get your legs burning pretty yeah, good. Yeah, in a weird spot, right? Like your quads near your, your knee. Upper knee. Yeah, like right here. Yeah. Like this this part, like right where your knee connects where your quad. That, Hindu that squats. What about up. a what about a wall sit? How come a wall sit's so hard? It's fucking hard. That's right. the worst. I, did, I did that the other day. It was brutal. That's the hardest fucking exercise there is. I think. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, in uh, karate, they would have you stand at a horse stance yeah. for long periods of time, just like this. Just standing at horse stance. Like, how hard could this be? A minute in, you're like, oh, shit. How long brutal. am I supposed to do this just, for? You're not even leaning up against the wall. Yeah, no lean up against the wall. Just a deep squat. With just fucking... Uh, just stand And how long would you stand there for? I never did it. It was not <laughs> my instructor was never into that. I, well, I didn't. I took karate for a very short period of time. That's a karate thing. I was in Taekwondo. We never did that. Karate kids coming back. Oh my god! Do you know Cobra about Kai. that? Is it uh, Will Smith Junior. again? No, no. It's Cobra Kai. It's a show about the Cobra Kai. It's, a, it's, a it's like guy? Netflix. I think. It's about the bad yeah, it's guys. It's Netflix. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, but Ralph Macchio's in it, and he comes in, and uh, he has a competing dojo, I believe. How old is Ralph Macchio now? Fifty. Thirty-two, <laughs> at least. He yeah. looks great. Like, what is that guy on? Oh, yeah, like, here's Ralph the trailer Macho for it. is on some youth shit. Oh, look yeah, at this guy. Go. Look at Cobra Kai. Let me see this. Strike hard. Oh, push-ups. Oh, terrible punches. <laughs> Who's teaching these people? No mercy. This is 
there any particular way you want me to wash your oh, windows? Oh, God. No, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Just shut that, that off. Was, that was shut great. that off right now. That was great. There you go. That, <laughs> if that is the fucking trailer. We Jesus. need an MMA movie. Get to yeah, work. There was yeah, one, yeah. Warrior. Warrior Brian, yeah. Brian Warrior's Town good. was in that. The only problem with that movie is they had people fight over a couple days, which is mm. just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. They did a bunch of stupid shit they didn't have to do in that movie. Mm. They just, they, you don't have people, you, have, you can have people fight more than a, one time in a night, yeah. but if you really think someone can get in a brawl, and then you've never seen anybody fight, and then see what they look like <laughs> the next day. Because I remember when Ken Shamrock fought yeah. Tito Ortiz, and then I ran into him the next day, I was like, holy shit, Ken. His whole face was swollen up. He had sunglasses mm. on. That guy is not fighting anybody yeah. today. You know, I mean, he would. He's a fucking animal, but that's not healthy. Yeah. Like, your body's dealing with all the... I don't even like when they fight more than one time in a night. And they got away with that back in the day, and I know Glory yeah. still does that for some of the kickboxing tournaments, but it's just fucking dangerous. It's just not smart. Guys get concussed, and then they fight again an hour later, two hours later. That's crazy. Smashing Machine was a fucking awesome movie. That's Ooh. my favorite documentary ever. That is a great... That's one of my top And that's an yeah. accidental find. That's one of those <laughs> documentaries. An amazing doc. That is a lot like that movie Icarus, where they started yeah. to do one thing, and, and then they along found another. The, yeah, they found something way fucking crazier. Yeah. And that's a, a documentary on Mark Kerr, who's one of the scariest MMA fighters of all time. <laughs> and he was juiced to the tip. Yeah. <laughs> but there was such he an was ironic uh, mm. thing with him where he was an animal, but he was so afraid to yeah. actually fight, which was really cool. Where That, that was such an interesting uh, angle. He'd say before he goes out to the cage every time, he's like, I can barely take a sip of water because yeah. I'm so nervous. Yeah. Because that when kills people. I was around when Mark Kerr first started competing. He's a, one of the first guys I'd ever saw. First of all, he was a giant. They used to call him the specimen for a while. Then they called him the smashing machine. Yeah. But uh, he's the first guy that I ever saw that submitted someone with a, look at that. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Mark's, crazy. Mark's like, I can improve that. I can just get him in my gym. And, um, but look at that. Just keep that up there for a second. Those traps. When he was uh, at, at the UFC, he submitted someone with a chin to the eye socket. He held the back of the dude's oh, head shit. and got his chin in the guy's eye socket and just fucking drove his chin what? into his eye socket. Dan Bobish. Yeah, first time I ever saw somebody submit someone that way. But seriously, everybody asks me what my favorite documentary is because that's what I do. And Without even hesitation, I always say Smashing Machine. It's a great documentary. It hit me on so many levels. It was you know? great. It really well, re reminded me of our older brother. Re he reminded me a lot of Mad Dog. Wow. Mark Kerr. Yeah. Well, you know, he had a substance abuse problem. And he, he was yeah. also like a guy at the time. It was the early days of MMA. I mean, he was fighting back when it was just crazy raw, bare knuckles mm. and, you know, fighting in these weird rings and shit. Yeah. I mean, he was the early, early days of MMA. You ever read the book Blood in the Cage? I read some of it's it. It's really yeah, good. I never, I, I never finished you know, I, it. You had Pat on uh, last week, and I actually wanted to do – I still want to do uh, a film with Pat, a scripted film. We've been talking about it. We talked about it a long time ago, and now I'm started, started – I have a little bit of clout now. I'm starting to talk about it again. But his life was insane. He had uh, two brothers that died and one brother that ended up going to jail for like 15 years, and he was the runt of the family. And he ended up becoming the first ever UFC lightweight champion, which yeah. is just overcoming adversity like crazy. It's an amazing story. You know, Pat's neck was so fucked up that his discs fused together on their own. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. He had so much degeneration of his discs that the two bones 
they sat on top of each other for so long that they fused. The part where people accused him of having an operation, like he had a, an issue where a doctor was, <laughs> said that he had an operation. He's like, I never had a fucking operation. Like, your neck, your fucking <laughs> bones, the two bones, they have no disc in the middle, and now they're fused together. I've never even heard of that before. Yeah. You ever heard of that before? No. <laughs> you know how fucking tough you have to be to deal with the kind of pain where your neck is fusing itself? Your neck is like, this asshole is not going to go to a doctor, so we're going to be the doctor. <laughs> yeah. When you see what he went through, uh, he's probably one of the toughest people in the world. You know, it's just he's, he's been through a lot. Very you know? smart dude, too. Very like when you smart talk guy. to him, he's there. He's all yeah. there. I mean, long career in MMA. You know, he fought Dan Severn. Finish that book if you get a chance. It's amazing. Okay. Listen well, to the audio book when you run or something. It's great. Really yeah. good book. Um, yeah. He's, it's those old days. There's nothing like them. You Dan know, it'll never happen again. What's great about that book also, it tells the whole story of – the how the UFC started, how it got all you know started, and all the players involved, and it tells that whole story, hmm. which is really Who wrote cool. It? Uh, John Wertheim, Sports Illustrated, oh, okay. really, really good writer. That guy's written a lot of good stuff. He wrote a great book on pool too. Yeah, he wrote a book about on Kid um, Delicious. He yeah, a, he wrote the pool book. He yeah. wrote a, a book on statistics yeah. and how they sort of uh, point shave and all that stuff like mm-hmm. that in basketball. Yeah, no, he's a he's a very good writer. Okay, cool. Uh, when is uh, do you think this documentary is going to come out? The nutrition the one, one or right the kratom now. one? Well, the kratom one's going to come out soon, right? May 29th. And then what's the, it going to be on? How's it? Where can people get it? Well, hopefully, we'll be on like Netflix, Amazon, whatever. I'm not sure exactly where it'll be yet. We've um, partnered with the Orchard, and they're the, the distribution company. So right now, they're in the process of figuring out where it will be. Um, but I'll let everybody know. It'll be on. It probably start out to tell you the truth on iTunes is the normal route, and then um, you know you let it play on iTunes for a while and. It, there's a there's a whole system to it because right. it makes money in different ways, different places. And right. Now, unfortunately, for documentary filmmakers, Netflix is sort of your that's your graveyard at the end because you know like you want it to be on Netflix because everybody has access to it. Right. But as a filmmaker, they really shaft you. Do you know, they? You, yeah. You How? Get, because they'll buy the like so they they buy the film from the distribution company uh-huh. and then like all that money just goes back to the investor and then and it's like I don't get I don't see any money out of it. So the only way to make documentaries and make them profitable is make them really really cheap and a lot of times we don't do that so we end up you end up losing some money on it a lot of times, you know. I'm paying for this way, one. It's just the way it works. Are you? You're yeah, this it? this nutrition movie, yeah. The meathead millionaire money. That's yeah. it. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Uh, but you know it, the advantage of doing a food documentary is they do really well. So in a, with a food documentary yeah. you have a chance to really make a profit where as the other stuff, it's it's really difficult. Did you, you know? patent the term meathead millionaire yet? Uh, trademarked, yeah. Did you? I got all kinds of stupid shit trademarked. Nice. That's yeah. a good thing. That's a good thing to That trademark. was my nickname for him. <laughs> yeah. Meathead millionaire. Well, I know that uh, Icarus did really well, and it did really well for yeah. Brian Fogle, you know, but th- that is a groundbreaking, well, also, life-changing documentary. Also, things break out like that. Like that movie, yes. uh, first of all, it... It was involved, you know, when we did Bigger, Stronger, Faster, there wasn't an international scandal going on right. that we were sort of happened to be following. And Stepped so, in shit. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, in a way, you know, he got he got lucky with that, but he also made a great film. He right. took it and made it into something really good. So I think that was cool. But, uh, you know, it, it was what a crazy movie that was. You know, we didn't we didn't have something like that in the movie. We didn't have somebody like admitting to steroids. That was like huge. So. Uh, when it came out at Sundance, it was sort of a shocker to a lot of people. Like, this is at Sundance? This is crazy. Like, right. I can't believe this is, a, you know, at Sundance. 
And, um, and it did really well. It got really good reviews. It did really well, but it didn't have that like one thing that broke it out and made it super right. size me. You know, there was, there was something missing, some element where every, you know, it wasn't the thing that everybody had to see, although it was a really great film, I think. You know, it was just didn't no, have thought, that one thing. I know? thought it was really great as well, but yeah, you didn't, he got super lucky. While he's yeah. doing that, you know, yeah. you could see what I'm saying. Though. Yes. There wasn't that one thing where you have right. to see it because of this thing. You know, it's like yeah, because there's always the the thing about cheating in the Olympic Games. It's always been suspected, but to get it so confirmed, yeah, where you have the guy that did it and he's running from the Russian mob or the <laughs> whatever you want to call them, <laughs> and they're trying to fucking kill him, and now great. he's in hiding. He's still in hiding to this day in America in protective custody, and they're looking for him. Yeah, they're I, looking for him. I think it's crazy. <laughs> I think it's crazy. First of all, that he did did the film. And I think, secondly, it's crazy that um, he wasn't even a little bit more uh, protected in the least by the filmmaker. I thought the filmmaker kind of threw him under the bus a little bit. But that's just, you know. How so? But he wanted to be in the film. Yeah, I know. It was, it was weird, though. It started to feel weird. In uh, what way? I, I, I felt like... Um, I don't know. I mean, like, the how guy, could he protect him by changing his name? The, the Russians I, knew who he was. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just felt like it was. Um, I don't know. I felt like it was a little reckless as a filmmaker. You know, I just felt like uh, it was a. What would you do differently? To tell you the truth, I, I really, I really don't know what I would do differently. I just felt like, man, this, like, I, I, as I'm watching it, going, like, man, this guy's going to get in a lot of trouble. He's yeah. going to get killed because of this. He threw me under and the so bus. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I'm, I'm just talking on my ass. Yeah, but, but you weren't <laughs> like rigging the Olympics. I yeah. Mean, no. What, what changed after that was that the Russians essentially are barred from the Olympics, and now they compete under the Olympic flag. Well, what's interesting is we, they had Don Catlin in there, and Don Catlin's a guy for America that does the same thing does he and he was gonna he was gonna be the first guy remember then he backed out and he said i'll give you the russian guy because he knew the russian guy what do you would mean talk. he does it for america he he's the guy that's our doping control like he our doping Don, control guy he, he's our <laughs> our um what you saw the guy or what he he's so the guy he, that did all the drug tests for the olympics from like the 80s on right but you he's not the guy that dopes up the americans no, no, you gotta be really clear no, when you say that he doesn't dope them up he's right. the guy that tests them right we should tell people what icarus is too if they don't know what we're talking about so this would be a standalone podcast it's a documentary that brian fogel made where he decided to rice uh, r- uh rice uh ride his bike in a race clean completely clean mm-hmm. and then do it on steroids to see what his times would be, yeah. how much how much benefit he would have. And in the process of him filming this documentary, the guy who hooked him up, this guy Grigory from Russia, who was the head, unbeknownst to him, of the Russian state-sponsored doping program. He was, like, he thought he was getting a guy who was like the Russian USADA, that it was going to tell him yeah. what the cheaters use. But it turned out... Along the way, everything got exposed, and he was like, look, I have did this for 40 years. I dope everybody, everybody yeah. on drugs. And like he said every fucking single athlete that was in the Olympics was on some shit. And then he explained how they did it, and everybody's like, what the fuck? And then they were going to pull the Russians. And then the other thing that he exposed is the, the collusion between WADA and the IOC, and that they all work for each other, and they switch fucking roles, and they go back and forth with each other. And that they're not going to punish the Russians, and that yeah. this. But what they're doing now is they kind of have to because all of that movie. I mean, that movie yeah. literally changed the Olympics. I guess what I'm saying is, when I did bigger, stronger, faster, and we're going around talking to the experts, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the experts uh, 
they would mention Don Catlin, and I'd be like, what's up with Don Catlin? And they'd say, oh, man, if you get him to talk, I mean, the sports world will just crumble. And everybody kept saying that. Like, I heard it from, like, four different crumble. people How that so? are experts. They just said, like, nobody would believe in sports if that guy exposed what he knew. And so then I interviewed Don Catlin, but he, he just laughed when I asked him that. He's like, ah, they don't know what they're talking about, you know, kind of thing. And I got to go. Yeah, I'll see you later. I'll see you guys later. And I said, well, look, Charles Gasalis is an expert. He said the whole sports world would crumble if they, if they knew what you knew. What do you know? And he said, I don't know anything. You know, and so it was wow. kind of, I mean, you're not you're never going to get an answer like that. Something has to get exposed through a different way. So right. I shouldn't I, I can't say uh, without a sh- without a shadow beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's the truth. But I'm suspicious of that guy, I should say, mm. and suspicious of our system. I don't think they're the only ones doing it. There's no way they're the only ones doing yeah. it. China had a, a, a record number of gold medals when they hosted it. But in I Beijing. think we're doing it just as bad as they are. I wonder. I mean, we're doing it better, obviously. We're not, we're not getting caught. But I mean, do you, so, so when you say we, do you think a there's a state-sponsored American no, 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 doping no, no. program like no, they have in Russia? I don't think state-sponsored, but I think like maybe. There's some people doing something somewhere. Yeah, there's some sort of network going some on. Some shenanigans. Look, if there's one Balco, there's 10. Right. There's got to be more than one Balco. Oh, yeah. You think so? There's got to be more than one guy that's like, you know, telling people what to take. Mm. There's a lot of that shit out there. But listen, man, keep me posted on your movie. Let us know when, when this nutrition – do you have a name for it yet? Uh, we've, been, we've been talking about – War on about, Carbs. We've been talking about the <laughs> War on Carbs, but we've been debating whether or not that's the right It's a very move, catchy but. thing, especially now because people are so aware. There's so many people that are switching to low-carb, high-fat diets yeah. and having some pretty spectacular results. Yeah. I mean yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of evidence behind it. You know, And if you, yeah. it, you, you were saying before – I'd like to see somebody take all these diets and compare them. And they did that in uh, the 70s or the 80s. I forget when it was. It was Dr. Gardner um, from Stanford, and he was a vegetarian. So he took a vegan diet, vegetarian diet. The Atkins diet was the diet at the time. It wasn't like a keto diet. Um, the Dash diet and the Ornish diet, and he put them all together. And they did a lot, like a pretty big elaborate – I don't know how big it was, so I don't want to say. But a pretty elaborate study. And at the end of the day, the Atkins diet – basically one most weight loss best health marker improvement atkins diet and the guy was a vegetarian and he said at the end of the study this was a really tough pill to swallow you know and i think that's a really interesting thing they, they did the study did yeah. you know that atkins had a bunch of heart attacks had yeah. coronary heart disease yeah. and was 258 pounds when he died yeah and um someone was saying uh, well, i heard that stuff wasn't true though no, 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 no. He was. That is true. No, he. That's how big he was when he died, and yeah. he definitely had heart disease. So he, he definitely did. did. He did. But the question is, did he have heart disease before he did this diet? Was he even on his own diet? I mean, was his diet based on science and fact and 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 efficacy? But did he follow it, or did he just eat ice cream and fuck off all <laughs> yeah. day? We don't know. But he died by hitting his head, right? Fell on his. He head. fell and hit his head. But see. This all came from a tweet that I read from John Joseph from the Cro-Mags, who's a pretty rampant, uh, rabid vegan yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. a badass you know, triathlete and very, very athletic guy, right? Um, he's, he was the one that said that. And I was like, wow, is that true? Mm-hmm. And he said that the guy died of a heart attack and that his wife was covering it up. So I went to look into it. And it's very difficult to say because um, even Snopes had it as uh, inconclusive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, ooh. Like he might have had a heart attack and fell and hit his head. 
It's, I mean, the guy had heart disease. But the question is, look, some people have heart disease and it's congenital. They're born yeah. with issues. There, is, there, there are people that are more, I mean, they're just more likely to have heart attacks, just like there's some people that are more likely to have strokes and more likely to have arthritis. Sure. There's just issues that people have. So we don't know whether or not he was born with that or if he had that. But it, also, if he's at 258 pounds, he clearly isn't following his fucking diet unless he's <laughs> a giant. Yeah, how you know? old was he? Idea? He was an old guy. Mm. He's in his seventies, I believe, maybe mm. late sixties. Find it. So pull, pull, pull up the um, the wiki on him. On um, uh, Doctor Atkins, what was his name? Fr- Robert Atkins. Robert Atkins. Robert Atkins. But you know the, how that, he died. Yeah, that's the thing. It was like um, you, we're talking about him, the guy. Yeah. But the diet that he created is different than the right. actual guy, right? And we don't know right. if he was doing his diet. So the we people don't that know. were the people that yeah. were doing his diet that were in the study. Right. They ended up coming out on top, is all I'm saying. What's well, like study. the guy who created CrossFit? He's not in shape, <clears throat> right? I mean, that guy, Greg Glassman. Yeah. yeah, you ever see him? Yeah, he he's got some issues, I believe, some right. injuries and stuff that don't allow him to do all the stuff that CrossFit does. Right. But yeah, he's he's 72 and he died. Mm. Days prior to his death, he fell and hit his head on icy New York pavement. Uh, New York's blah, 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 admitted April 8th. He underwent surgery to move a blood clot in his brain but went into a coma. So we don't know. I mean, it says that's how he fell and he hit his head. We don't know why he fell, and it may very well have been that. But here it says the medical examiner's office uh, a year after his death showed that Atkins had a history of heart attack. Oh, yeah. Congestive heart failure. What is congestive heart failure? And hypertension. Congestive means. Okay, that's not good. His widow refused to allow an autopsy. Oh, that's now, interesting. That is interesting because did his wil- widow refuse to allow an autopsy because this guy wasn't healthy yeah. and maybe wasn't even following his own advice. But he was – what was his weight when he died? Maybe because he's going to get Does it say ripped. that, Jamie? His wife might have felt that he's going to get ripped apart you know, yeah. in his death and she didn't want that maybe. 72 years old. Though, See that's if you probably... could find out what his weight was when he died because I'm pretty sure he was 258 pounds. And if you're 258 pounds at 72 years old, that shit ain't good. Mm. Yeah. Does it say his weight? Yeah. I'm very, very sure that he was very heavy. Um, I got ru- into this Just more. Google Robert Atkins, 258 pounds when he died. I'm pretty sure that's how, how – so here's the thing. Was that from the diet? I mean, it does how is that possible? I mean, if the guy is making people lose weight on this diet and he himself is fat and he himself has serious heart failure. Yeah. 258 pounds at his death. Well, uh, the I- release report by New York City officials outraged the Acton, Atkins people. So he had a history of heart attacks and congestive heart failure and 258 pounds. Well, I don't think he, he exercised, did he? He probably didn't, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, he overate, obviously, too. Yeah. But it's like, was the guy following his own advice? We don't know. There's yeah. a lot of people that, look, I think ice end- cream is tempting. Spaghetti's tempting. You know, who doesn't like a good meatball sub every now and again? Yeah. Who knows? At the end of the day, we're all in this uh, race who can see who, who's going to live the longest, right? And I, there, I think that's... There's still no like real conclusive proof. Is there that one diet people right. live longer? Well, forget about the live other, the longest because you know, that's really out of your control. What about the quality of life that, while you're alive? That's what I think about. If you're 258 pounds, your quality of life sucks unless you're a giant. Yeah. Unless he's as big as Francis Ngannou. You know, I mean, really, literally, that's like Ngannou's weight class. I mean, yeah. How the fuck? <laughs> yeah. How is he that? How is I he mean, that big? Unless Atkins is his fucking giant jack great. gorilla. I mean, how is he? Uh, how is he have 258 pounds? That's not good. But I agree with you. Quality of life. Like if I'm yeah. here, 
you know, if I'm going to get an extra two years, but I'm going to be like weak and feeble and, and not able to do anything, like what are are those two years worth it? Right. I feel that the best diet is the one you can follow and utilizing a ketogenic style diet and utilizing intermittent fasting. I think it helps kill hunger. I think it helps kill cravings. And so I think it's a diet that, in my opinion, it's one of the easier diets to adapt to. It might be hard for some people that really like carbs, and they might have to find something different. Uh, But for me, it's always worked. For him, it's always worked. Well, his his essential Atkins diet did put people into ketosis. I mean, that was a big... Yeah, but it wasn't really the um, no. the goal of it. It wasn't the no. goal to get. He also had weird shit too. He had a lot of like uh, bars and things like that. You would yeah, intake bars. Yeah. sugar, alcohol, and a lot of things in there that probably are just not great for you. I'd imagine those Atkins bars are really good if you like to fart. Yeah, I mean that stuff is fart in a clear room. They make some crazy stuff. Yeah. They make like chocolate caramel. Yeah. You know, like anything yeah. that's going to be like that can't be yeah. good for you in right. any way, really. You know, <laughs> fake just flavors. Not, yeah, yeah, it's all fake. And that's hot farts. Yeah. I think whether you're doing a ketogenic diet, a vegan diet, or any diet, you should stick to real whole foods. Whole foods. Absolutely. And one of the things Rob yeah. Wolf taught me uh, was, you know, buy things that don't have nutrition labels on them. And just that simple thing, when you think about it, you're like, right. oh, yeah, if I buy Vegetables an apple, and meat and an apple. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't have that. Yeah. You know, and you're like, okay. Gotcha. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this up. Uh, big Strong Fast on Twitter. Mark Smelly Bell on Twitter. Uh, tell people about your gym. I got Super Training Gym in West Sacramento. The gym is free. We're having a seminar April twenty second. If you want to come check out the gym, how the fuck do you survive with a gym that's free? (laughs) Meathead Millionaire. Uh, It's because I got a lot of products. I invented a product called the Slingshot. So you let people just work out at your gym? I let people just work out at my gym. Guess what? Good luck. It's going to be a fucking cavalcade of psychopaths. <laughs> that's that's okay. To your gym. That's okay. okay. Beautiful. We, we, uh, we welcome it. I, I that's love, awesome, man. I love helping other people. I love teaching other people. I love coaching other people. You fucking beautiful human being. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, and tell people where it is again. Check out my uh, website, markbellslingshot.com, and Super Training Gym is in West Sacramento, California. All right. That's it, folks. See we'll you guys. be back tomorrow with Boss Rootin'. Whoa. Oh. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast, and thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com forward slash Joe for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Joe to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you also to the Cash app. You can download the Cash app for free. Use the promo code Joe Rogan, one word, and the Cash app will give you 5 bucks, and $5 will go to our good friend Justin Renz, Fight for the Forgotten Charity. And I'm very pleased to announce that through that cash app, we have already raised thousands of dollars to help build wells in the Congo. So download the cash app for free in the App Store or Google Play. Use the promo code Joe Rogan. $5 will go to you and $5 will go to an amazing cause. Justin Renz, Fight for the Forgotten Charity. And thank you also to Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, Type in J-R-E and Stamps.com will hook you up with a free digital scale and postage. Uh, It's an awesome special offer and, in my opinion, the best way to use the services of the U.S. Post post Office. So go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in J-R-E, and you get that four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale, which you can use to buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. You can't go wrong. It's very easy to use and is an awesome way. And it's way better than one of those very expensive postage meters. Okay. That's it for today. My guest tomorrow 
is the great and powerful Boss Rutten, former UFC heavyweight champion and all-around awesome guy and hilarious, fun-loving guy to talk to. He will be on tomorrow. Matt Farah from The Smoking Tire will be on Wednesday. And Tommy Buns, Tommy Segura, will be back on Friday. All right. That's it for today. Much love and big kisses to you all. Bye.